And welcome to episode 65 of the Worldwide Shells pod. Uh, we're back again after a small break. Um, bit of a my, fault on my part, just struggled to get a few guests on, but I thought I was busy as well, so I was like, we'll postpone it till next week, have have a good time. And this week, finally got a pod on. Um, first, I'll introduce co-host Marv. How you doing? I'm doing well, my man. How's it going? Yeah, well, um, yesterday's England result was very good. Um, yeah. Woke up with a bit of a hangover this morning, but that's how it goes. <laughs> oh, it's got to be done, brother. And then to welcome my next guest, a uh, special guest. Last time he appeared was on episode 52, back when we drew nil-nil with Leeds and we were dreading Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Quinlan, how you doing, man? Hey man, thanks to, for having me on again. It's very surreal to think that last time we were on, we were dreading Atletico and then we ended up beating them comfortably and won the Champions League, which is still surreal to think about. And now we're apparently bringing it home as well for England. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as Marv, I mean, uh, and, and yourself on the uh, tactical analysis of England. I might be a bit dodgy because I woke up being a little peaky this morning, but <laughs> it's going to be a good time and I can't wait to have a chat with you, bro. Yeah, I mean, after after that Atletico Madrid match, I was I was so tempted just to bring both you and Patrick on again, just to go review it and probably just react to the pod because I mean, I remember we were so not understanding how we could do this, and Patrick, as as positive as he was, was like, yeah, we'll get we'll do it, we'll get through. I think both me and you were kind of very apprehensive about it, but we we got yeah. through. Yeah, hundred percent. It was a very, I think. Even watching the game, I was so surprised about how well we've done. And I think the progression under Tuchel has been unbelievable. I think a lot of the, especially the individual players with Rudiger, etc., um, their transformations they've made in these six months is something that's weird to behold. And now we're looking at Rudiger with a new, for example, with a massive new contract and things like that. It's something with players we would have happily offloaded maybe back in January. So it's a brilliant time to be a Chelsea fan, isn't it? Yeah, obviously, I haven't really spoke to you too much since the Champions League win. What, what, what was your? Obviously, I know everyone's reaction was really positive, but what was your reaction to the Champions League? I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I cried when we won. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I'm, I'm not a crier as a person either. I don't cry anything. But that one, it was just unbelievable levels of tears of joy. It was just the performance was so assured. And I think what is different to maybe 2012 is that 2012 felt very much like an ending for a lot of our players and a lot of stories you know with Drogba's well at the time last kick of uh, last kick of a ball for Chelsea and Lampard was old and Terry was getting on a bit and he didn't play in the final whereas this really feels like the start of something special I think we can't count our chickens when it comes to building a legacy under Chelsea um, with the way we treat managers um, as much as we love Tuchel and we want him to stay as long as possible now whether he will stay beyond the next 18 months or so uh, still remains to be seen with the way that Chelsea operate. But it really puts in a sense of this is a great time to be a Chelsea fan. And if we make the right acquisitions this summer, which I'm sure we'll get into at some point, um, we could be really setting a legacy. And I think domestic success has to be something that we consider on the cards next season. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's time for Chelsea to make a step up and build that dynasty. Uh, the chance for legacy can uh, <clears throat> depends a lot on if we avoid signing bombs, which is a massive uh, thing that we need to avoid. Um, about the way Chelsea operate, interesting point, because I think it's the same as always. I think it's overstated that uh, they send managers away too soon. I think 
I mean, and the results prove that. I think if, if the manager's successful and he reaches the standard that is set upon them, they will never get sacked, obviously, unless they send text messages that devalue players by about 30 million. <laughs> um, I think that in general, if, Tuchel's quite lucky here because we, well, he's earned it by winning the Champions League. But, you know, we've got two trophies that we should, in theory, be able to win. And I think that will make him safe regardless of what happens in the season. So, again, we've got quite, we, we've had quite a nice turn of it since winning the Champions League. I, I think we're going to see him for a little bit longer than what people might expect. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Obviously, we, we were supposed to win the other two back in 2013, yeah. but obviously it did all go yeah. wrong. So you, know, you never know. That's the thing. I always think... New I'm team never... there, though. New, that yeah. was a new team, though. That was, you know, Hazard, Oscar, people 20. I think now we, we've just won the Champions League with those players. I think we did it at the beginning this time rather than that was our rebuild. That was the beginning of the rebuild, you know. And we played, to be honest, we played against a great team. We played against uh, Falcao FC. And at that point, he was unstoppable. They were great then. Uh, Villarreal are not great, let's be honest. Villarreal, I mean, I'm glad that we're playing them. I mean, they, they only beat bums in the final as well. But, you know, I, I really like... The fact our chances this time, I like our chances. In that, you know, that 2013 team, our striker Torres, he wasn't quite quite there. Drogba had left. It was the end of an era. We'd only just got the beginning of Hazard, beginning of Oscar. We had, I think, who else? We saw Victor Moses. We got Victor Moses in that that summer. It wasn't an incredible team that we had. If you compare it, to, I think the team we've got now compared to the back end of the 2012 team and the new 2013 team, I think the team we have now is a lot better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, completely. I'm just hoping we we don't we don't lose to a Corinthians because that oh. that that broke my heart. Oh, it's the trophy oh, we it's the trophy we should have won. Awful that was. Good time time to avenge that. Yeah, but to be fair, Marv, I I, I get the Villarreal crap. I would have rather have faced Man United because I think I would have been more confident <laughs> with United. Oh, it would have been nicer. <laughs> But um, I think that this is the point that I mean. Actually, the lot when we won, we we uh, when we lost the club cup, we beat Monterrey. <clears throat> That's where I'd been in Mexico. Now I think the team in there this time is Cruz Azul, who are actually widely known as the Tottenham of Mexico. That they they bottle everything. So I think it's a good chance for us this time around. I'm not sure which Brazilian team made it. Yeah, I mean we got the, the Japanese teams are start the Asian teams are starting to do much better, so they'll be a bit more of a challenge as well. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what kind of chat. I think we should be able to brush these teams aside. It's always that final that's awkward because those teams we play, I remember in Brazil, they had a long break or something at that time. And the, the, I remember the coach saying he planned that game for two and a half months. Yeah, it's the time zones as well, because obviously, obviously this one's in Japan, which I think the other one was also in Asia when we lost. So I, 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 I think it's it's one of them things. Yeah, well, let's see. I think we can get it this time. Yeah. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll come off Chelsea for a little bit. And obviously, the big topic right now is the Euros. Obviously, Marv, I think when we when you last come on, I think we were just discussing about England's opening game, which was was OK, but far from pleasing. Obviously, since then, we've had a disappointing draw to Scotland. Uh, half an OK win against Czech Republic. A great win against Germany and a battering of Ukraine. Uh, Marv, I know you're not the biggest fan of England and you're definitely not the biggest fan of Gareth Southgate, but how have you, how have you rated England's uh, performance in the Euro so far? 
Well, I mean, you can't really complain. They've won the games. They've not conceded goals. And I mean, the lineups. I've always complained about every single lineup, and yet played pretty well in every game. Uh, cannot, cannot. The second they beat Germany, that was it. You know, I think they amazing performances got themselves into another semi. I, I actually think when France went out, I, I actually, I think we're actually going to win. I really think we're going to win. I thought we'd had the chance of winning before the tournament started, and I haven't felt like that for about a million years. Because you look at the team, and I'm just looking at the team, and I'm like, bum, 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 fraud. Um, and you're looking at the team this time. There are maybe at the back we're a bit weak, but even they've played well, because with the five at the back system, there's a lot of cover. People are criticising uh, people like Walker, but actually he covers quite well. And um, we've, we've played well, and we've not even looked like conceding, apart from that Germany game when Havertz slipped in Werner. Uh, but other than that, I think we, we've looked great. Uh, so yeah, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to blow Denmark away. And the final is going to be a close one. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to touch on the defensive aspect. Obviously, you speak to any England fan before this tournament, and you would have what you would have said. They would say, "We've got a good team, but that back line is horrible at the best of times." But yet, we've gone five games, five clean sheets, no goals conceded, which normally, looking back at previous tournaments, the teams that do that normally go on to win it. What, what do you sure. think Gareth Southgate's done to change this? Well, I think a lot of it's um, <clears throat> club form. If you're looking at some of the results for the clubs, um, they've all kind of been competing at quite the high, high level. You have the City players that have been doing well, you know, Champions League final win in the league. Even the United players, you know, were in second place. So well, I think that there's an explosion of form that's really helped. And I think we've got an abundance of good attacking players. I think that's kind of one of the things. Sterling's been brilliant. Uh, Kane's starting to score some goals. But the thing is, we're calm. We're playing a system that I really like, and I think that the when you play the kind of the five, I think there's always a nice defensive solidity that comes with it, as long as you haven't kind of got complete wastes on in the wing-back positions that are too slow, or you've got kind of weak midfielders, but we've got good midfielders that can defend well as well. Like if you're uh, Phillips and Rice have been pretty good as well. I don't think that uh, we've been so solid, and then with, with the attack, attacking-minded players that we have, there's always a chance there. Whereas in the past... We were putting too much onus on dead players like Rooney, who I've never rated that much, that would literally never turn up. And and every time you would get the ball played out wide, crossed into a tackle, played out wide, crossed into a tackle, every single time, giving it away, giving it away. This team, there's a youth about it. And it's something I've been crying for for the last five, six, seven years, was to start playing the more hungrier players. And you can see in the way that they play. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on to, obviously, Quinlan. How, how have you rated England's performance so far? I think it's an interesting one because, um, as Mark said, we can't really complain with the fact that we haven't conceded a goal. Um, I mean, we've definitely been some snooze fests in our games. I remember the game against Czech Republic um, and Scotland were particularly underwhelming games. But I think there's two factors that I think have meant our success has been as good as it has been. And I think one is the fact that Southgate has actually been quite adaptable, um, which some people might might disagree with but I think the fact that we can switch so freely between a back four and a back five dependent on what's needed um, has actually been credit to Southgate on his squad selection I mean with players for example the reason that I think Trent Alexander-Arnold didn't get in the side was because he's very limited in in what he can do on the right hand side Um, I think he is more used to being a right back and I'm not sure his because his defensive frailties mean he can't really perform as a wing back whereas when you've got Kyle Walker and Reese James in the sides who are very adaptable very quick very strong 
uh, and able to to just fluidly switch. Reese James can act as proactively as a right wing back as he can as a right back. I know he's not been playing um, yesterday, didn't even make the squad, but it's just the little things like that. Um, the ability to change up our formation dependent on the opponent. Because um, I wouldn't be surprised, for example, if we stay to a back four against Denmark because we need more players up front for creative ability. And then perhaps, hypothetically, we come up against Italy or Spain in the final. Should we get through, we might revert again to a back five in the way we did against Germany. Um, so I think that's actually quite commendable on Southgate's part. I think it's quite interesting, you know, we have this this whole it's coming home thing. And then we look at international fans who say um, they, they think we're taking it seriously. And I know we're saying it a bit tongue in cheek, but then at the same time, every time a lineup has come out, Twitter has gone into absolute meltdown um, dependent on club, you know, club loyalties and things like that. But that comes to my second point of what makes this team so much better than it has been in the past is because in the past, you know, with the golden generation, I think a lot of the reason people suspect we never really quite performed was due to club rivalries between the players. You had, you know, Rio Ferdinand and Terry and you had Gerard and Lampard, for example, all on rival teams and they could never quite see past that club rivalry. Um, whereas with this team, just on a personal level, I don't think we can underestimate how important it is that these guys are mates. The fact that Declan Rice and Mason Mount are best friends. Jaden Sancho knows the guys from the youth academies and they all seem to really get along. I mean, obviously, we don't know what happened fully behind the scenes during the golden generation, but the PR, the social media teams for England at this tournament have shown us just how tightly knit the group is. Um, so even when players aren't necessarily performing, they will always have that sense of camaraderie within the team. And I think that moral and sort of moral support that they have within the side has really pushed them to that next level. I think they really want to see success as an international side and they have mentality that goes beyond club rivalries. And I think that is what's maybe going to push us to that next level because I think we've seen a lot of teams like France and Portugal. I think the way that they, the reason they haven't quite got maybe as far is because, again, they have these individuals and they have club rivalries involved and they have egos involved. Kylian Mbappe had a poor tournament, I think primarily due to his ego. And I think our players are able to see past that. Having Chelsea players in there who've won the Champions League like Mount um Chilwell James I know they're not some of them aren't playing as much but they know what it takes to win and as you as I've said we're carrying a lot of form in for a lot of our club players Man United had a great season as much as we hate to admit it and Maguire and Shaw are really showing that Kane had the most goals and assists in the league last season and it's taken him a while to get there but we now feel like he's going to take us to the next level and he's going to score every single game so yeah, those two reasons. I think it's a mix of a mix of morale for the players and the fact that yeah, we're we're a lot more fluid than we used to be. Yeah, I mean, you you raised some good points. Is there is there any players that you think in particular surprised you in this tournament? Uh, if we're talking England specifically, I would say people like um, Calvin Phillips. I think he goes under the radar a lot at club level because Leeds just aren't there at the same level as uh, a team like a, a top six club. Um, I think he's his ball progression, his willingness to get into challenges, um, his adaptability when he needs to to switch positions, um, and you know he can push forward and Declan Rice can stay back. Um, that's a brilliant player. I think if we're looking at other clubs, the player who I'm most excited by would probably be Damsgaard for for Denmark actually, because um, I had no idea who he was prior to this tournament, and he is brilliant. His finishing ability, his creatively, his creativeness on the ball. His movement, it's just next level. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Premier League clubs sniffing at him. Um, you know what it's like in the Euros. We always see one player have a good game and suddenly everyone's like, sign him up. But 
I think, yeah, people like Damsgaard are brilliant. Yeah, they're great players. That's the power of free TV. Uh, when everyone can watch the games for free, everyone picks out these players. They don't see uh, full games. It's the problem, uh, biggest, one of the biggest problems on Twitter is that people don't watch the full games and then they form these opinions based on opinion of other people and also ones of, that you, we don't see them play enough. Um, so that's, that's a good point, that is. Um, well, 100%. I think as well, you know, another player who's a great example of that is Isaac for, for Sweden, who's had a brilliant tournament and he's he's brilliant at club level. I mean, with Sociedad, he scored it. Yeah, exactly. And he is a great striker. And I'm surprised Dortmund have actually supposedly waived their right to sign him back for 35 million because he looks really promising. But as I said, so we've had it. He's had a good tournament. But the moment he's had a good tournament, suddenly Chelsea fans are saying, well, if we can't get Haaland, Lukaku, whoever our big targets are, let's sign Isaac. And it's it's bizarre to see because as much as he is good at club level, people can have excellent tournaments and then consequently have underwhelming club tournaments um, afterwards. So, I mean, two great examples that come to mind. Di Maria um, had a brilliant World Cup. Yeah, James Rodriguez as well. So it's not Yo, always... Renato, Renato Sanchez as well. Yeah, oh, precisely. Precisely. So it's never indicative of how brilliant they'll be when they get to club level. And it, I think a lot of clubs make the mistake of spending a lot of money on players who have a good tournament and then have an underwhelming yeah. club performance. That, I yeah. mean, that, that was a thing even when we were younger. You'd watch, uh, when, back when I was a teenager, it was the same thing. You would watch a player, oh my God, I've got to get this player. And actually, that's the thing. I think it's just something that we learn when we get older, when we get on, we see that that, that doesn't obviously translate, especially international football is a different game. Um, it seems like, I mean, I don't watch Isaac enough, but it was all right in the tournament. Um, I'm not sure that he would be ready for this level, considering the history of Tuchel and stuff like that. But one of the uh, surprises uh, we're talking about with these kind of players, some of these players are really good at club level, and we just don't see them. I mean, who who could say they watch Real Sociedad games that much? I think I watched one because someone was waxing over that, uh, or, or Yezabal guy. But I don't even remember Isaac playing that game. So it's, it's one of those things. Um, another thing about the ego, I mean, I would t- I would kind of challenge anyone to not have an ego after winning the World Cup at 18, essentially, on your back. Uh, I mean, True. I think it's something Mbappe can improve. And I think now that's going to have taken him down a few pegs by missing that penalty and maybe needed it because uh, yeah. he wasn't the same player. You remember that, that World Cup when, when he played, he was lightning and he actually burned the Argentina defence alive. Uh, that player we've not seen for a little while. I think it's because you're not getting challenged enough as well in the league that he's in. Um, but I think that's something that can be can be fixed. I don't think that's. I think it might be an overstated issue. I mean, the, the skill is there, the talent is there, the speed is there, and he's still only like 21 or 20, something like that, isn't he? So it's it's one of those things. Yeah, well, happen. he's learned to respect his elders. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Would you? Re- I think with Mbappe, kind of. Some people would argue that he single-handedly ruined France's tournament, even from the get-go, with the whole bizarre Giroud sort of feud that they had, and it was very strange. And the, yeah, as as you you made a great point, he actually did have some great moments in that tournament. I remember in the first game against Germany, um, he had a ten like Hummels had a solid ten yards on him, and he just decimated him on pace, and he scored yeah. a great goal that was disallowed um, for offside. I think it was. He's um, a good player. So, it is, yeah, and he'll learn a lot from from this because I think, yeah, I think his ego's taken a check, and best, I think that's what best we have thing to do he can do is leave PSG. Because yeah, I agree, I agree with Marva. He's not getting challenged enough. That team is full of egos in general, and I don't think that rubs off well on him. 
even if he goes to a team like Real Madrid, which again is a team that notoriously is full of egos, but at least I think he'll be challenged a lot more there. We play at the highest level, and he can at least become the player that he is. Because I, I do agree. I think I, I, I'm one of them people. A health, there, you can There's, it's okay to have an ego. It's okay. There's, there's, there is such a thing as a healthy ego, but the comments and then the whole rumor of he was going to call a press conference to talk about it. That is just that was for me getting to the point where you're going way above your your way into an unhealthy ego. And I, I called it at the beginning. I said that France would have a poor Euros, and I think apart from the first game, which they they just beat a poor Germany. I, I don't think they've had a good Euros at all, and I think it's thoroughly deserved. Um, which I, I do think it is down to that whole Mbappe thing, because the the part that made me think about it most was when Mbappe missed the penalty, barely any of the French players went over to console him. And Very I think that, that. That's, that speaks that's a thousand words. It's not. It's nothing new, by the way. If you, if you think about the, the after the France had won the World Cup, the last time they had that same issue. You remember in uh, they, they had that massive fallout with Raymond Dominic, uh, and it was the same thing. Players fighting with the. I, I, it's something about that institution. They had the Benzema uh, one as well, just before yeah, the one. Yeah, that's why 100%. he didn't play in the first place. Yeah, I remember before it's like Anelka and Everett and all these people. They, they would like strikes. I remember Anelka got sent home. You remember that? It was like 2002 World Cup. I can't remember which one exactly it was. Might have been the one after. Uh, all I'm going to say is that's the French for you. Feisty, yeah. can be arrogant. I'm not not being stereotypical, but I just know a lot of French people. My girlfriend yeah. is from Belgium, and there's a lot of French people, and everyone is the same. It's just the way they are. Um, <laughs> but mo- moving off, uh, one more question before I move off England. Obviously, Marv, you've kind of already said it, but is it coming home? Absolutely is. I, I think we're going to win. Um, I, I don't. I mean, yeah, Italy is good, but... I think we'll beat them as well. I, I don't think uh, Spain are not winning against us. I, I think, and I think we'll actually brush Denmark aside. I see a two nil, three nil kind of game coming. And Quinlan, is it coming home? I'd love to think so. I must admit, I am slightly more apprehensive than Marv is. I think possibly just because should we get past Denmark, um, I think, and then should we hypothetically be playing Italy? I think we can't underestimate just how good that Italy side is. I mean, the thing that sets them apart is just how unbelievably clinical they are. That game against Belgium, those finishes were absolutely ridiculous. Postage stamp the whole time. But I mean, if, could if, have, Belgium, yeah. if Belgium, I mean, if Belgium didn't have a complete bomb as an overrated striker, then they might have actually won the game. And I think Italy dominated. I, it. I, I agree. They didn't, they didn't take the chances, you know. And um, you know. I know there's a lot of revisionism and uh, people refuse to admit that Lukaku isn't actually good enough to play for Chelsea. But um, you cannot blame the team, the Belgium team, for missing this. And I'm putting the picture in in our little uh, chat box now. There is no excuse under any circumstances for missing this. If people are complaining mm. about Werner and it not costing us games, then, you know, signing him... It's the worst possible thing we could do. I know I say it a lot all over Twitter, but it, I care about my club. And I've seen this player many times in many full games. He never delivers when it matters. He's 28. He's only just won a league title. And the, the competition was Atalanta, a team that I don't think has ever won Serie A. And it's, it's, you know, 
I don't, I don't know what you guys are thinking about this, but Italy dominated the game and they still could have lost. And I don't think Belgium are good, but the, the golden generation has finished. The best player was the 17, 18-year-old kid, uh, the, uh, Doku, was the best player. I don't I mean, dis Doku. He's, he's a great player. He played really, really well. He was taking them on, beating everyone. I mean, he was the, the magic in the team. I mean, the experienced guys, they, they, time and time again, they don't deliver in these pressureful moments. And that is something that I noticed at the first tournament of this golden generation side. There was no fire. There's, there's no fire. They, they talk more than they play. And, and this is just, this is a thing. And, and unlucky, uh, they almost got it back and they didn't. And that's the thing. They just don't have it. And they're never going to win a tournament. I said this even when it began, and, and I stick to it. They are never going to win. Yeah, I mean, Marv, you're, you're, complete, you're completely right on that Lukaku thing. I, when, when he missed it, I was How in a group chat mean? of a couple of mates, and I said, I, I, my reply was, I'm done, this guy, obviously regarding to Lukaku. And yeah. I had three comments that all said, oh, it was unlucky. Yeah, to which I replied, if that was Werner, you would all slaughter. Yeah. This is exactly the problem. Uh, this is the problem w w with Twitter. There is players that people like and players that people don't like. And, and they'll get away with everything. Like, that was Werner who missed that and they actually lost. Like, that would have been, you know, it would have been World War Three. Uh, he, he, he does it all the time. This play, He always does it. They exited the Champions League group stage after he did it. Like, he'll score, he is... He is a colossal stat padder. He's not good enough for an elite team. That's why he's been sold by two of them. Um, really annoys me. I, I saw, because I talked to a guy I really like, Trav, and he really likes him. And I, I brought up this picture, and, and he blamed the team. And this is a good analyst. Like, you can't blame the team for missing that. I mean, I posted it two hours before the game. I said, today's the day where Lukaku will cost Belgium the trophy. And I'll be back in two hours. And exactly the thing happened. You, you, you know that's going to happen. If you really do study, watch the games, you know, you know that that will happen. Yeah, I mean, all, all I'm going to say is the only person in that chat that backed me up and said and agreed with the Werner thing was Ali. So obviously, Ali, if you're listening, thank you for backing me up in that. And thank you for backing me up in the docu because there was the same people were slagging off Doku saying he's got no tech which which bemused me but yeah um, for me in terms of the whole it's coming home situation I actually don't I, I agree with Marvin in a way I'm not too scared of Italy because I think again there were chances Belgium had to beat Italy in that match um, and if it wasn't for some good Donnarumma saves some poor misses by certain players I think Belgium could have got through and it was it was that fine margin. They also scraped past Austria, had a fairly Just easy now group as well. stage. That's another point. Exactly. You've got Emerson at left back now, so you never know what can happen. We know what, what Emerson's like. Um, mm. I'm actually more scared, scared of Denmark because obviously the Ericsson thing, it's given them that extra 10%. And you just know the gods of the footballing gods are watching down on Denmark right now. And I, I don't like playing against the gods. Yeah, that, there's that, definitely that. a level of like, um, I think as well, we have a, a level of complacency when we come to England sometimes if we're not careful. I think if we go into a game expecting to batter someone, I think Ukraine was a bit of an outlier. But I thought that was partly more than Ukraine just playing poorly rather than us playing well, uh, per se. But saying that, yeah, the, the Denmark thing with Ericsson, I think it's interesting. Like some people will 
attribute that to a large part of their success, but they have to remember as well, Denmark have got some quality players. They have Christensen at the back, who's been absolutely rock solid and looks like a real leader now, especially after the success of the Champions League. In midfield, you've got Hjoiberg, who's a solid CDM, and he really marshals that midfield. They've got incredible creative players like Dolberg and Damsgaard. Um, I think, yeah, it'd be really hard to underestimate them um, in, in that in that tournament. And I think, yeah, if we're not careful, they could snatch a goal and then we might be struggling. Yeah, I agree. Um, just before we finish well on... With... Oh, go on, Matt. Yeah. I'd say we don't deal very well of going a goal behind, same as Chelsea and England as well. I think that game Ukraine was won by the early goal. So much confidence, early goal, second mm-hmm. goal's in, the game's done. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, see. We'll, we'll have to see, obviously, the... I'm just hoping, obviously, the England crowd, where we played at Wembley at the moment, it's always been a bit apprehensive, where I think now with this Ukraine result... I can imagine Wembley's going to be popping and fully behind the team, which I hope gives that extra edge for us to go win it. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. And before I finish with all the Euro talk, I'm going to ask you both one question. Um, we've ch- obviously a lot of Chelsea players playing at the tournament. Who have been your top three Chelsea performers at the tournament so far? I'll start with Quinlan. Um, great question, actually. I think... My top Chelsea performer that comes to mind is uh, Christensen. As I said, he's just... Uh, the thing is, as well, is we, we're apprehensive as Chelsea fans about what Christensen can do in a back four, um, because obviously he's been playing primarily in a back three, and it's where he excels in the centre of a back three um, when he's come on for Thiago Silva in the past for Chelsea. But in this back four that he's got with Simon Kier uh, at Denmark, he's just shown unbelievable new levels of maturity, leadership, positional awareness is in Christensen is something that I really don't see in many other centre-backs. He always knows where to be at the exact same time. I think he might have learned from Thiago Silva how to do that. I think on the other two, I think Azpilicueta has actually been a surprising addition because he's been a revelation for Spain's squad since he since he came back into the side. I know he didn't make the first two games and since he's come in, he's scored a goal. He's looked assured. He's brought leadership back into that Spain squad, which I think they really lacked because they had such a young team. And then I think my third is pretty obvious for I think a lot of people even though he's not played all of the games I think Mason Mount has been brilliant in every game he's played I think he's on who scored if we're going statistically I think he's had at least a seven rating in every single game um, provided an assist again last night he's always providing some dynamism to the team he's always vital to England's counter press and he's quite an important reason why we've got as far as we have fair enough fair enough I mean I'd, I'd agree with some of them disagree with some but um, that's just how it goes um, Marv who would your top three be? Yeah. I can guess you've got some different names. Um, yeah, I mean, my I, I haven't put Mount in there because he hasn't really done anything. Um, none of the England guys haven't really played. Um, I, <clears throat> I've gone um, for Jorginho as number one. He's been heads and shoulders above the rest. His performances have been incredible. Um, and Great my shout. second one is... Uh, my second one is Christensen. It's amazing. The two players I thought should have been long out the door both turned around and delivered. Always makes me laugh thing. when you praise Christensen. I could never completely believe it. Yeah, well, I, as I say, I never really have any uh, specific... I don't have player FC stuff. Um, I always used to say he wasn't as good as a traffic cone. Happy to admit that he's proved me wrong. I mean, he was great. He came off the bench in Champions League final um, and was amazing. Lots of lots, and his positioning. The thing that Quinlan said is quite interesting because his positioning is amazing now, and it used to be something I'd criticise him for. It always used to leave his man. If you remember, we used to argue about it in the pre-war, not argue. We used to agree on it in the last season's pod, and all of a sudden, he's he's one of the best defenders in the world. 
it's just unbelievable how much of a transformation he's made. And um, him, I mean, yeah, he's earned himself a new contract and everything. So I think he, he's my number two. Denmark's, uh, how Denmark have turned this around in this tournament is incredible, considering they lost the first game to Finland. Mm. And now they're in the semi-final. It's brilliant. Uh, for my third choice, I've gone for Declan Rice. Um, our best player. <laughs> it may as well be a Chelsea player the amount of times he gets mentioned on Twitter. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I've always been pro Declan Rice. I think he's a good player, but definitely not for the, the money that's quoted. That's the only problem for me. Um, but for me, he's a good player. But no, I'd say Aspie has been the third one because he's, you know, he's there. Spain, Spain don't have a great team this year. Um, the same the same criticism you would have that I have for Belgium is that I have for Spain. They've got an absolute bum as a striker, and somehow they're still winning. So they're, they're doing it well, and, and Aspie obviously playing and getting in there. He's got that leadership. And I don't think, uh, I think they've done quite well. So I'll probably go Aspie as the third one, but quite far behind uh, the main two, which are Jorginho and Christensen. Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I, I, I would, I'd say I agree with both. Jorginho and Christensen would be my top two. Um, one player that I think, despite his team doing pretty poor, I think he was the rock and the only player that did well for their team. I, I think Kai Havertz had a fucking yeah, brilliant yeah. Euros. Yeah, great shot. Yeah. But, uh, obviously, Germany as a team did really poor. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the first game Kai Havertz didn't play too well, but I remember it was... I, don't, I, I, I can never understand what Ockham No does. Like He had, he had Muller... And Kai Havertz, who are two people that can play false nine, but he decided to play neither and play Gnabry up front. I just, I just looked and was like, are you sure? Like, do you mm. sure you know what you're doing? And I, I think Germany have confused me throughout the whole tournament. But Kai Havertz, after the sec- second, third, and even, again, even against England, was absolutely phenomenal. He was the only one creating anything um, against England. So I, I think he's my f- close f- third. I think Asby is again he's close he's probably fourth or fifth in my re- ratings for Chelsea players um Mount I, I would I would have said Mount but, but he just hasn't he obviously missed the Germany game and I think that that's kind of counted him out of the top three that for that the only reason but I can understand I think when yeah. he has played he's played well um got the assist obviously um last night which was nice and let's hope that they can Mount can hopefully help us steer to our first European Championship. Um, so now I'm going to move swiftly off the Euros because we obviously are a Chelsea pod, so we can't talk too much about England and international football. And I've got a little discussion to go through, everyone. It's a you, the usual sell, keep, loan. So I'll go through the majority, all the first team, obviously, except Caballero and Gilmore, who have already moved on. Um and I'm going to include a few loan players that I'm expecting to be have some uh, disagreements with some of the loan players because they're a bit controversial. Um, obviously, guys, obviously I'll go each one of you, Marvin and uh, Quinlan. Obviously, say your why, which one you choose and why. Um, obviously, I don't. I know I don't have to say this, but both you, everyone can be respectful. I know there's going to be a difference of opinions, mm-hmm. and. Everyone in the comment, everyone that's listening to this, write your list down and post it on Twitter if you're coming from Twitter. Um, We'd like to know what you guys also think. Um, So obviously starting with the goalkeepers, I have a feeling this will be an easy one to decide, a quick one. Edouard Mendy, Marv, 
Loan or keep or sell? Loan. No. <laughs> Obviously, keep is the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, I mean, just 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 before I move on to Quinlan, got uh, he was announced as uh, African Player of the Year yeah. of the season. So that that's a great achievement for him after his Champions League win. Uh, fantastic debut season, uh, Quinlan. I assume no disagreements in the idea of keeping Edouard Mendy. Hundred percent keep. Yeah, I think he's. I think everyone was very apprehensive or curious about whether he would be our number one going into next season, and I think. Well, the, the results speak for themselves. The performances speak for themselves. Unbelievable player and has earned the right to be number one. Yeah, definitely. I think the next one will be, It might, we may both, we may all agree with this, but obviously remember guys, keep this a little bit realistic. Um, Kepa, Marv, do you keep him? Do you sell him or do you loan him? Um, def- well, it, it really depends on the value because we need to recoup some of that money. He's on a seven-year deal. We'd probably be likely to get more money by continuously loaning him. Um, I mean, if we can get something close to 40-ish million, then I would consider sell. But I think the best way for him is to loan him. Uh, if he does really well, then that club who he goes to, hopefully it's a good one, uh, would be more likely to buy him. And then obviously the amortized value will come down, uh, you know, with the loan fees and stuff like that. So probably loan would probably be the best. Thing. Yeah, would that would that be a loan with an option to buy or just a straight up loan? Uh, it depends. Yeah, I mean, depends what they have to to make to break even on the deal, which is kind of what they've got to try to do. So I'd, I'd include the option to buy, obviously. But uh, yeah, definitely a loan. Yeah. And uh, would you would you agree with that or uh, choose another option for him? I actually would, yeah. I would agree with a loan with an option to buy, possibly, um, just because, yeah, the amortised fee, as we said. Um, I also think, as well, you have to kind of consider the very worst-case scenario of if we don't get a, a backup keeper when Edouard Mendy has gone for AFCON and we're really struggling, then that gives you the option to possibly recall him as well. Um, only if necessary. I think that's very unlikely that that would happen. But I think it covers your bases. So, yeah, I'd agree. Loan with an option to buy, most likely. Probably to a club in Europe. Um, I imagine Spain. Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at this, um, it, it is a hard one. I think I would go down the idea of loan with an option to buy, um, depending on what team it is. Because, uh, obviously, if, you, if, you, if you're dealing with someone like AC Milan or some or Italian clubs, then you may as well just keep it as a loan because they're never going to actually buy him. But if, if it's a genuine club that is looking to possibly keep him at the end of the season, then you put an option to buy in um, and see how it goes. I mean, in, in terms of the idea of will we get a goalkeeper, I think it's one of them positions you always find someone to be a backup. I mean, there's a couple of goalkeepers that are on free agents at the moment that you can at least get in as a second or even third choice. But it, obviously it depends on what type of how good you want the goalkeeper to be so that will be something obviously the board will have to deal with in the summer but I'm, I'm sure Keppel wants to play a lot of games so I think loan would probably be the best option um, obviously Caballero left already so we won't include him and we'll move on to the centre-backs starting with Kurt Zuma um, Marv do we sell. keep him do we sell him or sell. loan him sell. Um, always should have sold, should have sold in the previous season. Why stocks are still high, but thankfully we just won the Champions League. Um, doesn't fit the system at all. Cannot pass the ball out, and and that kind of centre back is, I mean, he's useful for scoring goals, and and yeah, we might lose a little bit of that, but 
defenders aren't meant to score goals. Uh, I don't mind keeping him as a squad player, but I think that there's there's options. We, I would rather give that space to Ampadu or Gurhi or, or, or someone like that. I mean, and if we're going to buy someone, there are only a few options I really like, like Kunda I quite like. Um, so some people like that. Maybe uh, there's that rumour about Ben White again. I'm not sure about that one, but um, I, I would probably sell Zuma because I think we could still get, I think we could get quite a bit of money for him. I think 30 or 40 million could be possible. Um, so yeah, I'm always, I've been on the sell side of him for quite a while. Yeah, and Quinlan, do you agree or would you choose a different option? I think I'm really on the fence and I don't actually have a specific answer because um, it, it entirely depends on what happens next season because I think we've seen a lot of discussions online about whether Tuchel might switch to a back four next season. And I think we have to remember that when we were playing a back four, um, alongside Thiago Silva, Zuma was our option number one back in the day. And he was our primary centre-back. The thing is, of course, Rudiger and Christensen have improved a lot recently. And if you keep Zuma, then as Marv pointed out, then you're kind of blocking off options of Ampadu and Gerhi to come in. And I think Gerhi's a brilliant player who deserves a chance in the side next season, uh, pre-season at the very least. Um, and yeah, as as we said, I think he's probably at his highest value right now in terms of if we're going to sell him because he's still relatively young. He's 26, I believe. Um, so he's got a few good years left in his peak. And I think there'll be a lot of clubs out there who are interested in his signature. Um, so maybe from a business standpoint, I would be looking to sell. But from a standpoint of what we're doing next season as a club and what Tuchel wants to do, I'm not fully sold on that just yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. It's a tough one for me because obviously Marv knows I. This time last season, I I've always been a big fan of Zuma and I've always backed him. Um, but obviously this season, particularly in the second half, he has disappointed me. Um, I, I I do agree with the aspect that in a back four, obviously with Rudiger at the moment, I I just don't see him uh, getting in ahead of Rudiger, which is the problem. But um, even at the back four. But I, I do think it's one of the things, for me, I, I would strategically do it in terms of I'd keep him for another season. And when, obviously, Thiago Silva will leave, um, there could be the option, if you're going to get a big centre-back in, to sell him that season so you can balance the books. Um, and, obviously, that, that, it, that will depend on how he does this season because, obviously, it could be a big risk that he does poor again and his value drops down. But he could play quite well and then solidify that spot. So it's it's for me, I would keep, but to view selling the following season um, to get a bigger player in. Obviously, you've got players like Gurry and Amphidou, which we'll get through later on after we've done the first team members. But yeah, there's a lot of options in centre-back. So I, I would say keep at the moment, um, but look to sell next season. Um it's funny, I'm definitely vindicated in arguing two seasons ago with about a billion people that Rudiger is much better than Zuma because he can do so much more. He's more athletic, he can pass better, his long passing is better, his short passing is better, his tackler, probably Zuma might be a better tackler, but in general Rudiger is infinitely the better player. It's good, but actually, I mean, I don't care really, but it's, it's good that uh, that's kind of finally being realised. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is very nice. I mean... Uh, Rudiger is going to be the next player that we go on to. Marv, I, I, I don't think I have to ask you this question, but I <laughs> assume you're going to sell Rudiger? No, renew 200k a week, keep him for the next 10 years. Um, in fact, I would 
a lot of players after winning the Champions League, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I've got to keep him. Got to play. Definitely. And Quinlan, do you, do you keep I, him? Do you sell him or do you loan him? I would be keeping him for now, 100%. But I actually kind of agree with the way that you said about Zuma, keeping him with an option to sell in the future um, would maybe be the way I'd look at Rudiger because I think his remontada has been brilliant under Tuchel. Um, but I think a lot of players and a lot of fans forget how inconsistent his performances were previous to that um, since we signed him. I think it's only been in the past six months that he's really taken things to a whole new level. And I think... Um, inconsistent, coach, inconsistent coaching, not playing. Um, he was great for Sarri, he was great for Conte. They won two trophies in those seasons. Um, we conceded a record amount of goals uh, under Lampard and half of those games he didn't play. Uh, the, the, the disaster classes, which I've written an article on a while ago, uh, West Ham gets brought up a lot. The first goal was Christensen's mistake. The second goal was Aspilicueta getting out jumped. And the third one, he was on his own doing what every coach tells you to do, which is show your player on the inside from the wing. Now, I'm not sure where any of those are his fault. And even I think the, the biggest mistake, I analysed these because I was really interested in what people were seeing. And uh, the biggest mistake that I found was the FA Cup final when we lost to Arsenal. So he comes in and slides in out of nowhere. But you look at that, that's a three-man mistake. Christensen gets knocked over, stays down. Zuma gets easily done in the penalty box and Rudiger's slide in the middle of the pitch, which was pointless. So even that was a three-man mistake. I think he's that inconsistency definitely more about the playing style than anything else because you know he was good for was sorry him and Luis were a fantastic partnership I, I wasn't a fan of sorry didn't like the coach hated the way of play didn't enjoy going to the games but we did win something we got to a final we got top three and we won the Europa League uh, and that was largely with Luis and Rudiger playing um, under Conte the same we won the lit well we, he didn't play the first season of Conte wasn't there but the second season we won the FA Cup and he was an absolute machine against Man United in that final so I think that the consistency thing might be a bit overstated due to uh, the, the previous season. And even for many of those games, the choice of defensive partnership was often Zuma and mixing it around Zuma. Tomori, uh, who actually made a lot more mistakes, but people don't want to admit that because he's a youth player. So it's, it's an interesting point when you really dig into it. Sorry, continue. Um, yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from on that consistency front when it comes to managers. Um, I think the only other point I would add um, to that, and just again, this kind of relates to the way Chelsea operate, is the fact that Rudiger is turning 30 soon. And um, we tend to treat our older players um, with a little less respect when it comes to contract extensions yeah. and things like that. So I would be curious to see if we gave him a big bumper contract extension, considering in all reality, if we're being perfectly honest, his likelihood of staying at the club doesn't extend beyond maybe three or four years. I don't see in my book, just from the way, again, we've treated defenders and any player over 30 in the past. Um, so that's just something I'd be looking at. Um, I think we would maybe give him a better deal with a view of increasing his value for sale in the future. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I agree. His, his inconsistencies are definitely more definitely system-based maybe than individual errors. Um, but... Yeah, it's something I would look at in the future because I'm not 100% sold, but I totally see where you're coming from. That's fair, I think. I think that's quite a fair point, the fact that his age is getting on. Um, I think definitely, like in the last kind of five, six years, the, the extended adolescence of how long players can last has improved compared to like when I was younger yeah. in the 90s, when 30, that really almost was the end. Um, but I think if we're looking at people like, I mean, if he can do what Thiago Silva is currently doing, then maybe. I think there's a natural athleticism that he has that might, 
might survive for a good couple of years. I think, but I think you might be right though. An extension for maybe two two seasons might be the way to go. I don't think we would get a huge amount of money for him at the age he's at now. Um, I think th- the value in our defensive sales, I think, is going to come from Zuma. Uh, yeah, because he's he's not thirty, is he? I, I think Zuma's still or kind of what is 26, he like twenty seven eight. Yeah, so I mean, I think he's still got. I think out of all of the defence we have, he probably has the most sale value. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think for me, I think I do but think with the consistency yeah. part of it, I do think, especially with Lampard's season, I do think that was partially the injury. Obviously, he come back and everyone expected uh, him to be this big, consistent leader. Oh in yeah, team. and then it that just. Was just only a- only only Hudson and Doy was allowed to use the injury excuse. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think it's a, it's 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 an interesting topic. I think with the whole contract scenario, because obviously he hasn't got long this contract left, and there's been certain rumblings from certain controversial journalists that he's not going to sign. But we'll leave that there because that's just more agendas coming out of the building. Um, but I, I think he's going to do similar to what Cahill did. I think. Do you remember when? It was Cahill was 29, exactly. He was about to turn 30 and he signed a five-year contract so he wouldn't have this yeah. whole one-year, two-year debacle. So I think Rudiger could do something like that and then in two, three years, halfway through his contract, he'll probably look to move on maybe. Because um, I do think Rudiger is one of them players that he does have a, quite a bit of speed. So I do worry when that speed starts to go a little bit, whether that doesn't help him a little bit but I, I, I do I think for the for the, at least the near future I think Rudiger is a mainstay in this team and it will wholly depend on whether he signs that contract because if he doesn't then obviously we'll have to sell him this summer I think just to get the money out of him um I will move on to uh one uh next defender which I I, I will just very quickly go through this because I don't think anyone's gonna uh sell him or loan him Tiago Silva next season do we both all agree keep yeah yeah uh, that 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 is out of the way and done, and then we move on to the final centre back, Christensen. Marv, I'll start with you. Yeah, keep him. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't have heard you say that say that twelve months ago, but I'm I'm, no. hap- I'm well, uh, you wouldn't have heard me say that either twelve months ago, but I'm happy that we both can say it now. Um, and Quinlan, would you keep him? Yeah, I would as well. As I've said before, I think. Yeah, his improvements in positional awareness, his leadership, his strength, his ability on the ball um, has just improved so much in the past season. And I think he's really starting to show now the player. I remember we had a couple of years ago, we had a propaganda video came out um, from Chelsea. It was like a PR thing about his story at the club and how he was really starting to look like he could be the next Terry and all this kind of stuff. And then it never really quite happened. But he's getting there now and I think it's great to see he's still got an awful lot a good decade left in him in in terms of playing at the top level so it's a no-brainer to keep really yeah definitely we'll move, we'll move on to that because I, I I also think definitely keep um with his I mean if, if a massive offer comes in then sometimes every player's got their price but you, you got you got to try and keep him at all costs another player that I expect all of us to say keep obviously Ben Chilwell Signed last year. Yeah. Pretty good season. Both of you agree, keep? Yeah, keep. Easy keep. And now let's move on to the other two, which I think it's going to be a decision of which one do we sell rather than uh, which one do we keep. Um, Marv, I'll start with you. Alonso. 
Oh, tough decision. I um, I'm I would probably keep him because uh, he offers something that the other wing backs don't. He scores goals. He scores some important ones. He always does. Good in the air. Um, good, at, fairly good across his free kick option. Um, I don't foresee the re. I, there's no point in buying unless we're gonna buy like Alfonso Davies or someone like that. It seems pointless because Chilwell's the first choice and Alonso is infinitely better than Emerson. So. I would keep him. And Quinlan, would you agree? I think I'd actually disagree on that front. Um, as much as I do completely agree that Alonso provides a lot more in terms of his creating chances and um, scoring important goals, I just don't like the guy. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't like his attitude, um, the way the way that he's just incredibly inconsistent, the way he will just give up a lot of the time when it comes to defensive uh, responsibilities, his complete lack of pace. Um, he's just been he's been rinsed by wingers who have any kind of pace for a good couple of years now. And I prefer Emerson's mentality as someone who wants to win games and is still in his international side performing as much as he's not performing at the level of someone like Ben Chilwell. But I don't know. It's international. He's on the bench. He doesn't play. He's Emerson. still in the squad, though. Yeah, but he's just Alonso's just in the squad. Is he in the squad I mean, for Spain? I don't think no, Alonso is. Alonso plays more than Emerson uh, in the in the Premier League. Um, Emerson has never done anything for the club. I mean, he, he's fairly fast. He doesn't score a goal. He can't defend well. He gets beat on his inside all the time. I mean, it is a no-brainer that Alonso is so much better than him. That is a very odd take. I mean, we, we won the league with Alonso. Um, we couldn't really say we won the Champions League with either of them because none of them really played, especially towards the end. Uh, no, Emerson, come on, and got that one-touch goal. But really, what has Emerson actually done at Chelsea? I think he played fairly well in the Europa League final, can argue that one. But what has he actually done? What does he actually offer? Because he might be a bit quicker than Alonso, but he also got rinsed by winger after winger. Does the exact same. Um, I really don't. I mean, yeah, maybe they both cost around about the same price, didn't they? I'm not sure how much Emerson actually cost. Can't can't remember. But Alonso. I mean, we won the league with Alonso, and he was a, he was a machine in Conte's first season. The attitude thing, I always wonder about that because I mean, what what information do we have to go on that his attitude is bad? What 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 have we seen? Is that time he went into the team bus under Lampard? We could argue that was one of them, but you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes there, and he. He never caused trouble. You don't see him say anything in the press. Um, yeah, Either way, I thought that was a terrible thing to do, though. I, I always just thought that was just such a despicable thing to do to go into to go into the bus at the end of the game. I just thought it was so embarrassing. I mean, it, was, it, it wasn't even the end of the game, was it? It was half time. Wasn't half it? Time. Exactly. I, I think but it looked bad on the club, and it looked bad on him as very, well. Very, but we don't know what that was about. He might have been annoyed with himself. You know, we never found out about that. I always, I do worry about. <clears throat> what we consider about the players. Because I remember after Matt Law's article on Rudiger saying that he'd been bullying the players, I mean, it led to so much crap and turned out not to be true. Um, so it does does concern me when we think about stuff like that. Maybe, and, you know, if he'd have really... The, the thing is, <clears throat> at that time, Lampard was in quite a position of power. We were doing well. So yeah. if he really was that bad, they really didn't like him, he would have been sent away on loan. You have a look at it in the past managers. If there's a problem with a player, that player has often been sent on loan or sent away. Happened with Anelka, with uh, Andre Villas-Boas, and he was sacked the next month. I mean, he sent away Alex and Anelka. You remember in that January window. So 
I think that might have been made up to be a bit bigger than it is. I think if we're looking at bad attitudes, I mean, if we, we can even go back to some interviews where a lot of people's fan favourites, Pabregas, who I never liked, said that in the beginning of Conte coming in, that we have to work a lot harder and we don't really like that. I mean, if anything is a signifier of bad attitude, it's something like that. Maybe not someone who's frustrated with himself. I mean, if you walk away into the bus, yeah, it's probably stupid. But he paid for that. He didn't play another game under Lampard, did he? I think he didn't well, play. I was, gonna, I was about to say, yeah, after that West Brom game, um, that performance, I remember he was. It was quite public that Lampard berated him uh, in the changing room after the game, and he was completely frozen out, as you said, didn't yeah. play a game since. And yeah. that's personally just. I, I don't. I know that could be a mix of the manager himself and the way that the people around him view him as a person. Um, but I just, I'm not sure I want that kind of person at my club on a long-term basis. Who's going to kind cause that kind of controversy. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you go back and look at the kind of player, the coaches he's played under, I mean, if that was a problem, I think we would have seen more of it, you know, like with, with players that do actually have attitude problems, we see multiple issues like Barkley, for example, doing stupid things, going out, uh, doing, you know, and just kind of not taking this football career seriously, Balotelli, uh, people like that. But this is the first thing we really heard with Alonso. We heard one story before that, sorry, said he wasn't a good defender or something, but he still played. So, you know, we can't really imagine that. But if we're also looking at the results, Alonso didn't play. Emerson started playing, also Chilwell, but also, you know, it, that coincided with some of our real terrible form. It's not because of Alonso not playing. But <clears throat> managerial decisions that had us in 10th place, we have to kind of take it with a pinch of salt, I think. Yeah, I mean, to, work, to weigh my end of it, and I, 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 um, I still don't forgive Alonso for what he did. I, I do think, I understand your point, Marv, that it could, it could be misconstrued. But just the way it was, um, and I, 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 I mean, if I'm honest, between Emerson and Alonso, I find it's just picking a, best out of a bad bunch and for me yeah. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna kind of uh spoil my other one but i i if i could i'd sell them both and then try and get someone in that can play as a utility in terms of can play left back and right back and cover in the squad just so we've got that depth but someone that isn't too fussed with sitting on the bench and getting game time here and that here there and everywhere when james can't play when Chilwell yeah. can't play, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd sell them both, but that that that'll be up up to you. So, Quinlan, would you say sell? Uh, is this on Emerson? Sorry. Yeah. On Emerson, yeah, I'm really not sure. I think it depends on um, who we're looking at. If we are looking at anyone for a backup left back, because um, as far as I'm aware, there's not anyone particularly in the youth squad that could really come in into that role in a in a backup basis. I think Henry Lawrence can occasionally play there and Tino Livramento can switch to the left side, although he's primarily right sided. Um, so I would maybe be looking again, dependent on who we got in, if we did get in anyone, I would be possibly loaning him out with or maybe selling him. But if no one comes in and we were to, to lose Emerson, I would actually be uh, sorry, lose Alonso, then I'd be keeping Emerson just purely for the fact that he's the most obvious choice as a second-choice left-back, um, and I don't see who in the academy could come in, perhaps, to really cement their place as a second-choice. Yeah, Marv, I assume with you wanting to keep Alonso, you'd probably sell Emerson, yeah. or at least loan him. Yeah, 
Definite sell, although I do think Alonso has a little bit more value sell-wise. Um, but the thing is, I think if we, we do sell both, it makes us have to buy another player. And I, don't, I think we need to be focusing on those elite targets. We don't need to replace Chilwell, do we? So we might as well just keep yeah. Alonso on. Because Alonso's good as a wing back, and um, you know he's not causing the team too much trouble by playing in the odd games or deputising when Chilwell needs to rest. I think we could do a lot worse there, um, rather than having to keep bringing players in. I don't know who actually plays there in the youth team. I don't know if Dujon Sterling was a left side back. I think it was a right back, wasn't he? He was a right back. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I mean, the the only person I could look at and go possible would be Ian Matson because he's had a good season at Cholton, but again, oh, yeah. that's a big step up. Bit early though, maybe yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a big step up. But if if it is a very sporadic role, I mean, you could argue why not. But it would it would be a again, it would be an issue of the depth. But I, I yeah, I, I I see. There's a couple of names that I've looked at. Um, I mean, for me, a cheap option would be someone like Yusuf Atal. Um, I know he's had oh, the injury, yeah. but he's starting You're to get right. back. He's he's yeah, he's starting to get back into it, and he can play. Left back, right back, right mid, left wing. It, it, it's just that typical utility player, and I think he could be really good in a squad that is looking to challenge for multiple titles. I forgot about him. He replied to me on Twitter once. You remember? Yeah, I remember that. I was like buzzing. I was How like, come on, Marv. I think but, yeah. so, um, a point on top of that, just to say, was we 100% need at least two players, if not three, in every position for cover because we are playing a 60-game fixture list this yeah. season, which is ridiculous. And like as much as I love Chilwell, he's not going to be able to play that many games. Definitely not. Yeah, you, I suppose, yeah, you do have to have one. So, I mean, I would... I, but personally, I would go... If if I was Marina Granskaya, I would be looking at use of a towel and so then both. But if I had to keep one, I would probably have to just edge Alonso. Um, but... That that will be for Marina to decide in the summer. Um, it might just depend on who, which which opponent teams prefer who, because I think it's going to be hard to ship one of them, let alone two of them. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I assume the next player again is going to be quite an easy one, Reese James. Yeah, keep I assume on. we're selling him. Yeah, Manchester City. Oh, worthless. Yep, sell. <laughs> nah, keep, oh, keep. Definitely a keep. And then. As Piliqueta, obviously, hasn't has had up and down season. Um, some people have questioned him. Um, Again, are we keeping him or are we selling him? No, no point selling him. What's what's the point? Uh, we don't gain anything. Matt, he can he can be slowly phased out. Um, he can play two positions. He's too useful for uh, the overall squad to get rid of him at this point. Might as well just keep it. You know, when you've just won the Champions League, it's, there's only a little bit of trimming that needs to be done and a couple of elite additions to make us challenge further. So, yeah, for me, he's a definite keep. And Quinlan, would you say keep as well? Yeah, definitely. I think as his age progresses, I think we'll definitely see him revert more to a right centre-back role rather than necessarily a right-back or a right-wing-back. I think it suits him a lot more the way he's just an incredible one-on-one defender. I think he's one of the most versatile defenders the Premier League has ever seen. I mean, he's won trophies playing at left-back, at centre-back, and at right-back, and at right-wing-back. So he's an unbelievable player. He's also just as well just a brilliant leader um he's someone we desperately need because at the moment we don't have too many leaders at the moment we have players who are developing into leaders players like mason mount uh, for example and players like reese james um but we have you know tiago silva's leaving after another year and 
uh, Jorginho might not stay, might go. You know, it depends. I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, so I think we just need it just for that leadership qualities, if nothing else. Because, I mean, look what happened with Spain, for example, in the Euros once he got back into the team. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's one of the things I, I understand. Yeah, you're not going to get anything out of him um, in terms of money wise. You might as well just keep him and fade him out. I do think he's a good. He's for me, it's tough. I think he's a good leader, but at the same time, I I I would give the captain's armband to someone else. It's just always been my preference. I think he's a good leader, but as a secondary leader, if you get what I mean, someone that gets with the captain and helps lead but i i just i always think the jobs i don't know when when push comes to shove in certain situations the kepper situation certain cup finals i just mm. think he hasn't done what i'd expect him to do but i mean he's been a great player for chelsea he's won it all you've probably got to uh, when he does retire he'll probably will go down as a, a chelsea legend at the end of it um or at least a cult hero um and yeah, I mean, you you got to keep him as simple as that. And the next player, if I hear anyone say they want to sell and go to Kante, they're just I, I'm just clicking leave right now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll I'll give you guys the question, but I assume it will be a nice, easy one-word answer. Coilin, are you selling, keeping, or loaning and go to Kante? I'm keeping him. Uh, just provided I would just say the caveat was that we use him wisely. Uh, we don't overuse him like Didier Deschamps does with France. And we, we pick our battles when it comes to Kante. Use him as a weapon um, for the most important games because he won't last every game. He's injury prone as it is, and he is 30 now. So absolutely keep, but yeah, 100% save him for the right games. And Marv, would you agree? Oh, obviously. I do you remember when the idiots were saying selling him for 80 million. Do you remember that? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I was one of them people, if, if, it, if, it, if it went above 100... I I I open I I talk I talk I wouldn't I wouldn't say yes but I talk you... with 80 million you might might give him your might give him his shoelaces like his um no, it, it, it it it'd be the tip it would be like the tip wouldn't be yeah. the actual whole shoelace it'd be the tip of the shoelace you cannot sell that player there is no replacement that is going to do what he can do and this was even the case when he was injury prone there was always a way of getting it back uh, and he hasn't been that injury prone if you think of the back end of the season. He played and played and played and played. Um, it's too too good to sell. You cannot sell a player like that. At the, the, at the time when people were saying to sell, he was our only world-class player. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous. He has to stay. He's an absolute core and key member of the team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the moment, especially with Billy Gilmore going out alone, there's, I, don't, I don't think we have too much option in terms of selling and selling uh, midfielders. So I am going to put Jorginho and cover into kind of one bracket. Obviously, Marv, would you consider selling or loaning either of these players? No, not anymore. They, they, when they won the Champions League, they validated, you know, I expect the team to win and they've just won the biggest trophy possible. So, you know, you won't hear anything bad about Jorginho from me. Yeah, he has some limitations, but he's showing also in the Euros that when used correctly by a manager that knows how to coach an elite level team, then obviously he was able to do it. Um, for me, he's had one of the best arcs you can imagine. I was always on the sell side, but I liked him anyway. I didn't hate him. I always thought he was a fairly good player, but he's actually even better than I thought. So, yeah, fantastic. He has to stay. Yeah, Quinlan, would you agree? Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I think Jorginho is, again, he's had some inconsistencies in his play, but I think he's showing 
uh, at Italy what he showed at Napoli as well um, and what he's showing in Chelsea with Tuchel when he plays in the right system. He's a brilliant player and he completely controls games. I think if we put the two together, I would have said yes to selling Kovacic potentially if Gilmore had stayed. Um, the fact Gilmore is now gone uh, means with this current system we play, even if even if we are to sign someone like a Declan Rice or a Tuameni or whoever, an, an extra DM, uh, we just don't have enough cover there. So Kovacic has to stay as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, yeah. I'd agree. I think for me, you look at Jorginho, um, I, I still do think he's not he's not going to stay longer than two years. I do think he'll make a return back to Italy because I think he doesn't get, obviously, he's never going to get the full respect from certain Chelsea fans. So I think there will be an aspect where he does just want to go home eventually. I, I understand that. I think Personally, I'd prefer it if your agent isn't saying it every five minutes. But oh, 100%. again, when you've got people like Matt Law on your case every five minutes and putting out rubbish stories, I can kind of understand a little bit. But um, moving on to another player, um, I'm sure if any of you say sell, Johnny is going to go mental on Twitter. But uh, Mason Mount, are we, are we selling Mason Mount or are we keeping Mason Mount? No, you have to keep him because he's... Uh... You know, it's part of the identity of the club. Uh, you know, it's great. Pl- I mean, it's not unsellable. I mean, if somebody does come in with two hundred and fifty-eight million, then I would consider it. But no, I think you very, have very to- specific number, Marv. Yeah, it's so we can get Haaland and Mbappe, and you know. Uh, but no, um, for me, no, he's got it. You've got to keep someone like that. He's got growth potential. He's proved so many people wrong. I mean, he's even got better. His final uh, final ball decision making was a bit. Uh, suspect in the beginning, but he's he's grown. So when you think this is only a second season, it's like second season at the top. It's as amazing. Has to stay. Has to stay. Yeah, I, I assume you agree, Clinton. I uh, I 100% agree. Yeah, and I would actually like to ask you guys a question just on a tangent because um, you mentioned it there. I'd be really curious to know what you two think Mason Mount is actually worth in the modern market because I think surely he has to be at least worth 100 million, at least 120 million. I would say. Yeah, I, I'd say around that ballpark because I think obviously he, he, there's a lot of this idea that Mason Mount is not technically good. I think the thing is with Mason Mount, he is that he is technically good and he can do all his flicks and tricks and stuff that the likes of Jaden Sancho and Phil Foden does, but he only does it when he needs to and when he can do it, not when he he wants to every five minutes and loses the ball. Um, and the, I think job he does in terms of off the ball work. Even for England uh, in that game against uh, Ukraine, was was he, he, uh, as good as Phil Phillips and Rice have been. Mason Mount helps out a lot when he's in the team. Um, so I just don't see another player out there like him. Similar to Kante in a way. But what all round Mason Mount brings? Yeah, I mean, I'd say 120 million. And even that, I'd, I'd, I'd say try and get a little bit higher, try and get closer to what Hazard was worth. So 150, really, but 100%. Yeah, I mean it's one of the things. I don't, I don't think we're ever going to sell Mason Mount, personally. By the way, people saying that Mount isn't a technical player it is. It reminds me so much of when uh, Lampard played. You know, it's those those are kind of easy comparisons. But people used to say that about Lampard. You know, back in 2006, seven, eight, they were saying that Lampard wasn't a technical. At the same time, when he was pinging a 40-yard crossfield pass to the feet of, like, Maluda or Drogba or someone like that. Uh, Mount has a lot of technique. 
he is definitely a technical. I think that people just kind of they look. It's the same they do with Adama Traore. Uh, they they look at one train. Think, oh, he's a kick and rush and in or whatever they they say with Mount because he's good. He's got really heavy work rate. They seem just like a work workhorse. But actually, he does have a lot of technique. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's it's one of the things that's just lazy comparisons from a lot of lazy lazy Twitter users, unfortunately. Um, but it's one of the things I think he's proven the majority of the people wrong. Um, anyone that did doubt him, doubts him in silence now. Um, moving on to some of the wingers now. Um, this will be a debate which I think will be very interesting. Um, we'll start with Hakim Ziyech. Obviously, he's had a lot of moves linked in him to ta- Italian clubs. Marv, would, would you consider depends. selling or loaning Hakim Ziyech? Or keep uh, it depends totally on if we're bringing people in. And again, it then means we're wasting money. Um, he's got to stay because he's the only one who plays the ball in between the lines. He's the, he's the most creative guy we got. And uh, yeah, he might not fit certain aspects of the team. But for me, he is a definite keep. Like he would have had more assists as well. He missed a lot of chances that he created. I think give him an. He's only he's only been here for a year. Like for me, he's a de- he's a keeper. I would keep Z. I think he can be very useful. Yeah, I mean Quinlan, would would you keep Hakim Ziyech or would you consider selling him at all? I'd consider perhaps loaning him if the right offer came because I wouldn't want to lose him permanently Um, because I mean as Marv said I think he's got a lot more to offer and I think um, or for example Matisse um, you know on Twitter Matisse Armani um, who's also on the Byline podcast always says when it comes to any player they have to be given a second season before you can make a final verdict Um, and I 100% agree with that Um, Ziyech has had his moments he's had issues with injury um, and I think he potentially has a lot to offer and it also depends on what we do with other players as I'm sure we'll get to for example if we are offloading someone like a Hudson Odoi um, or anything like that then we're suddenly going to before you know it because we have a lot of depth right there right now um, if we're not careful suddenly we might be left a bit stark and it depends on the system as well because I think if we're then switching going to four at the back we're doing a 4-2-3-1 something like that Ziyech can play brilliantly as a right centre you know a right attacking player um, or as a centre attacking mid as well because um, I'm not sure he really shoots, suits the system we play right now, playing as one of the tens. Um, but if we switch that up, he could still be really important. And he's got a lot to learn and develop as well. And Tuchel will get the best out of him. So I would maybe trust keeping him for at least another season. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as Quinn a little bit. I think if the right offer comes in, um, which I, I, I has to be at least above his price tag of 35 million, I'd consider more 40, 45. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. I think I'd, I'd, I'd keep him because I think the system will change, and I think there will be game time for Ziyech. So uh, yeah. I think we want them keep. If we do sell him, we lose any through ball type player. We, we don't have a player like him. This is the thing. Like we we've got that. There, there are things we are missing, like one v one specialists. We've got the closer one is Christian, um, which is a concern against low blocks. But Z, the what Ziyech can do, no one else does it. No one can play those angled balls. No one can play those intricate few through balls at the right time we we don't have that i wouldn't and i yeah i do agree about the second season thing got to give them that because sometimes second season the player is amazing sometimes they they're terrible and then they they gone after that but in this case uh, we're seeing the links are terrible deals like loans without paying uh, from milan and, and stuff like that. i wouldn't be going for stuff like that 
Yeah, definitely. Not. I think that there. I think that's just a lot of Italian journalists trying to make a story out of nothing. But you know, you know how um, how accurate they can be, and not accurate they can be. So I think that's something that is just a lot of transfer talk for the sake of transfer talk. Moving on to another player, which I think is, should be an easy one, Mr. Champions League winner himself, Kai Havertz. I assume yeah. we're both keeping him. Yeah, keep easy. Yeah, easy keep again. Great. I mean, uh, hopefully he carries on his form for the Euros because he's been, but uh, he's going to be completely buzzing since that Champions League goal. So let, let, let's let's wait and see. Um, Marv, I'm going to turn to one of your favourite players, Christian Pulisic. Obviously, he's struggling a little bit with his injuries. Obviously, I I, I get the consensus you'll say keep him this season, but I'll add a little bit on the end. If he does get really injury prone again this season and doesn't shine, would you consider changing your mind next season? No chance. It's win-win with him. Because... Oh, sorry, sorry. No chance, but it's win-win with him. If uh, he gets injured, his share price is low. So when it comes to renewals, he will not be able to command a, an increase. And if he is a bit part player will have to sign somebody who isn't. So that way, we have an infinitely stronger squad whenever he is fit. So the worst-case scenario is that we've got a kind of hit-and-miss kind of impact player that is absolutely freaking incredible. I think his talent level, and, and I always mention it, even before he signed him, he was one of my guys. Like When, when I'm really into a signing, I was really into this because I foresaw... You know, people were watching Sancho and I was watching his games and thinking Sancho is not what people are saying he is. And I was watching Pulisic and I was like, this guy's way better than what people are saying he is. And he came to the first season and he did, he showed it. And uh, for me, he is a keep regardless of the injuries. Uh, and either way, the club will not lose on him, I think. I mean, yeah, they spent money, but we've already won the Champions League. Uh, for me, this is a, an unsellable player at this point. Yeah, I mean... Um... Quillen, would you would you agree with that? Is is Pulisic unsellable? Uh, would you consider it at least not maybe not now, but in twelve months' time? I don't think he's unsellable, but I do see the point. I also want to add to the point of just from a purely business standpoint, what Pulisic does for the club, um, for the American fan base. I mean, we see now, especially on Twitter recently, a lot of the Chelsea fans on the, on there are American. And I think a direct reason of that is Christian Pulisic. And we've heard a lot of stories about, um, you know, these football academies and stuff in America now. People, So many people wearing Chelsea shirts, so many people wearing Pulisic shirts. Um, he's just so important from just bringing in purely revenue from a massive market. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, we can't underestimate that. Um, but as an injury player, I think... It really depends because I think some people liken him to RLC, um, Loftus-Cheek, and say that, well, his his ceiling was never quite realised because of the injuries. But then again, I think Pulisic has a much higher ceiling than Ruben Loftus-Cheek did. Um, I do agree with Marv that he's got potential to be, if not already is, one of the best wingers in world football. And if he stays injury-free, um, then 100% we should be keeping him. If, as of next season, again, if he's injury prone and he's not playing enough then it's something we'd have to consider but it would have to be for a hefty fee for me to sell him on because of how how much he offers as a business proposition to not just us but any other club that would be looking to buy him so it would have to be for a lot that we'd sell him yeah i mean i think i agree with both of you in a way i, I do get your point Marv. i think based on talent and 
even look at the pure business aspect, I think he's he is in a way unsellable because of how much money he does bring into the club, how good his potential is. Very. My issue with my issue would be on that aspect is what if Pulisic doesn't want to be a pit part player and is getting these constant injuries and not fulfilling his potential. Well, I think there is a I think there is a point where if he did I'm saying if because I, I I do think he's a grounded lad. If he did go, I am America's face. I should be playing. Would would at that point would you go? Maybe we have to cut our losses. No, because he has to prove it. And um, if he's always injured, and you know, you, you like any play, you have to. I, I always say this: there should not. I always get really angry when I see people saying, "Oh yeah, they should be guaranteed." No, they should be. Not nothing is guaranteed. And and. You know, players are going to get bought, players are going to come in, and the team is always going to be looking to try to be the best. So if you cannot perform to the best, you, you won't play. It's, it's that simple and not that deep. He will have to continue to be as good as he is now. And if he doesn't, and if he is always injured and can't be relied upon, then he won't play. Uh, you cannot complain. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, you've, you've completely... Put my point on it. I, I would say keep Pulisic um, under. Uh, it'd only be under extreme circumstances that I would consider. But um, yeah, let, let's just hope we can get the best out of him because if we do, my God, our squad in attack is going to be phenomenal. Um, moving on to another player, which I think both all three of us should agree to keep, uh, Timo Werner. Uh, we yeah. all on the idea of keep. Yeah, definitely. 100% yep. keep. Uh, very extremely useful player. Brilliant. Um, now I'm going to go on the one which I think will have the biggest discussion out of the first team squad. Um, Kalamazadoy. Marv, I know you have your criticisms. So I, I, I know this isn't going to be a definite keep, but what is your, how would you, what would you do with Kalamazadoy? So I'm on. Uh, I'm kind of divided with uh, kind of a few different points. So I think that he's not as good as people say, and I think his if you play him in the attacking role, his decision making is atrocious. Um, he's not a wing back, and he doesn't score enough goals, and he doesn't create enough goals. Now people will then point to that kind of ratio that he has, where he's got quite a nice assist to games uh, kind of thing. But you think about in the games that he plays, he's played against a lot of and against a lot of the shit teams. Um, but that being said, there is something there. I remember when he started playing before the injury, he looked really great. And I was like, wow. Uh, like I said, he needs to take people on better. His 1v1 isn't good enough, uh, in my opinion. Um, the thing is, though, I would, I mean, I used to be on the sell side. I was always on the sell side since he's come back for his injury. I felt like he's got rather unjustified fanfare for someone that's almost done nothing at the club. Um, that being said, if we loaned him somewhere like what's happening with Gilmore and he played every game and, you know, then started to prove that he was a good player. So let's say he goes somewhere like Crystal Palace and he's playing every week and he's creating and he's scoring and he's taking his man on and he's getting better. Then it's a win-win for the club because he comes back and he's, he's ready to compete. But in my opinion, he is not ready to compete at this level. Um, so it's, I'm leaning more towards loan rather than sell because we could end up selling a really good player. And that is definitely the potential when you sell a young talent. So in my my eyes, it will be a loan, but it has to be the right one. Somewhere like Crystal Palace, somewhere in the mid-level of the league where he there won't be too much pressure to deliver anything because that worked so well for Loftus-Cheek. 
Loftus cheek went to Crystal Palace. He was absolutely brilliant. He made me watch them play. Uh, and he'd come back and was amazing the next season. I think the same thing could happen with Callum. So I'd say loan. Yeah. Um, Gwendolyn, would you, would you agree with a loan or would you look more and keep them in the squad? I would agree with a loan. I would change the destination, um, but I get, I'll get to that. I think the problem I have with Hudson-Odoi on a few levels, um, one is the fact that the problem I've always had with him is that he's always been brilliant when he's come on as an impact substitute um, and then he'll subsequently be given a game where he starts and has more often than not been quite underwhelming over 90 minutes um, than, he, than he is over 20 or 30 minutes. Um, I think the second factor is the fact that he is on an awful lot of money. Um, he, you know, used that um, that sort of press support and fan support that he had in the early Sarri era to negotiate a brilliant deal for him. Um, but he's now ch- charging a lot of money for the prim- for the, the, the club where, while not getting an awful lot of minutes and not really showing as much as we maybe like to show that. I think he's very protected by the sort of sense that we feel like we'll lose him. Like the think that I think we, we, the board and fans have fears of losing a player who ends up going on to be great. A key examples, Mohamed Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, um, you know, Lukaku, those kind of players who end up having to have pretty successful careers. Um, so I think he's quite protected on that sense. Um, but I think for a loan, I'd actually be looking to Germany. I think there's two options. I think with Dortmund, for example, say we're after Haaland, um, I think a great thing for us is now they've lost Sancho. It would be brilliant if we included him as part of a deal in terms of a part exchange loan, give him maybe an 18-month loan, to a 24-month loan, um, you know, to, to give them something in return that can also help remove the fee for Haaland. But also Bayern Munich, I mean, I know they've kind of waved the white flag a bit on buying him. Um, and I think a lot of people, with the way hudson Odoi's performed, have looked at his £70 million that Bayern offered and think, well, maybe we should have taken it. But... My understanding is, because um, I've listened and read a lot of stuff from Raphael Honigstein, who's obviously big on German football, uh, has said that Bayern's interest in Hudson-Odoi hasn't totally wavered and they'd be OK with a loan. And in a scenario where Bayern are potentially losing someone like Kinsley Coman, because there's rumours that he might be leaving, um, Hudson-Odoi could be a great fit um, to go in there and he might get more minutes than we'd expect, especially because young players like Jude Bellingham are given a lot more minutes in German football than they are in the Premier League. Um, so I'd maybe be looking at somewhere like Bayern or Dortmund for a loan, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I do agree. I think, especially in terms of the Bayern thing, I think before I didn't really understand it, but especially when you look at someone like Jamal Masala, who younger than Kalamazadoy, far less game time than Kalamazadoy, and he has he has got some good game time for Bayern Munich. And if someone like a Kinsey Coman goes, I think that 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 could be an option. Uh, Dortmund again lost Sancho, so there's a spot to fill. Obviously, they're looking at Marlin, but I think that's more for Haaland than Sancho to go. But that's one of the things. I, I, I do, I would definitely be on the side again with loan, um, purely because I, I hear so many people on Twitter that's so afraid of sending a player on loan. I understand that you've got to get the right team um, because some loans, like the Ruble off the cheek loan, I know he got he got his fitness up and he managed to play the whole season, but bar that, I think Fulham was a bit of a disaster for him. Didn't really fit him at all. Um, but yeah, I think if you can get the right loan for him, he's lost a year of development of his injury already, and that's what I think the problem is with him. He's he's a good player and he could turn into a really good player, but he just he's so he's behind on that development. There's been issues 
in the background. I, I don't think his brother really helps his career that much. I think all he's been is a bit of a hindrance to ch- both Chelsea and Callum. Um, but that's just one of the things. I, I, I think alone, again, I, I'd probably go, I can understand the Crystal Palace thing, especially if you've got someone like, if Zahar eventually does leave and Callum Odzadoy looked to try and take that spot, I think that could be a good option for him, especially with now Patrick Vieira going in, no Roy Hodgson. It might, Crystal Palace might play a bit better football. Um, but yeah, I think uh, if you if, if you could give him an 18-month loan to Dortmund or someone like that, I think that, and he played consistently, I think that would, that would do a lot of good for him. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I think there could, I think, Kyle wants to do it. I think we have to keep an eye on that all the way to the end because I wouldn't be surprised if at the last minute he goes somewhere um, and we look to maybe not to bring someone in but look to get some sort of cover on that right hand side as we've said possibly an Adama Traore which I, I probably wouldn't want but there you go um, the next stu- the next player we're going to mention is probably another one that's going to uh, cause a bit of controversy Tammy Abraham um, Marth I know you're not the biggest fan of Tammy Abraham. Would you sell him? No. Would you keep him? Or would you loan him? Depends on other dominoes that will fall. Um, as as before, uh, I always say the same thing. Um, but obviously, because there's such an argument on Twitter all the time, you end up going so far to one side uh, against a certain player. Like, I mean, Tams is is all right as a squad player. He's not bad, but as I always say. He's not the player to lead the team. No fucking way. And I said that after the season, the like first season, because the back end of the season he was bad. And the same with this season as well. He started off fairly okay. But just doesn't have those those skills, in my opinion. Oh, I would sell, but it really depends on what happens with Giroud and Haaland. If we're not going to buy anyone, like the thing is, if if the option was Lukaku, I'd rather keep Tammy and see if he developed. If the option was by Calvert Lewin, who I actually do like. But I'd rather keep Tammy. Um, we've got to aim for elite, right? Haaland is elite. Haaland, Mbappe, Kane are elite players. If we got one of those, then someone has to leave. But then again, I don't know what's going to happen with Giroud. So if Giroud left, then yeah, keep Tammy. Why not? I mean, but the thing is, I think, again, there is a potential for loan there. But the thing is, again, I think we could probably get quite a good amount of money for Tammy. Uh, maybe 40 million. And we do need to make player sales. And I think he's one of those ones. But I'm not completely decided. I think that the loan could be a beneficial option as well. Yeah. Um, Quinn, then, what, what would you, what would you, uh, what do you think on Tammy's situation? I think Marv has actually raised some brilliant points on um, the dominoes that are falling um, because of Giroud, for example. Yeah, he signed another deal. He's signed a year extension, but we know how Marina operates and it could be just a way to get a better fee for him in terms of selling him on. Um, I think Abraham is a great player. I, well, I like him as a player because we have to remember that he's been our top scorer last season, uh, the season before last. And then he was our joint top scorer this season, I believe with Werner, um, if I'm not mistaken across all competitions. Um, so I think he's still a good player, but I do a hundred percent agree that he's not elite and he's not a player that is going to win us the league. Um, if he's our starting striker every single week, I think we need an elite world-class striker, someone like Kane, Lewandowski, Haaland, um, to really fill that gap. Um, I think alone could be a great option because I think where I would like him to go would be somewhere in a lower-level Premier League team, if not somewhere in Europe like Dortmund. Um, but I think a, a lot of people have been talking about perhaps uh, Abraham going to, to West Ham uh, and then West Ham have kind of 
the way things are looking is like they can't afford to buy Abraham because we're probably looking at about 40, 45 million, I imagine, for him. And they just don't seem to have that. But then again, if you give them a year loan with an option to buy, I think that might be something they're looking at. And it also helps our case in trying to sign someone like Declan Rice, perhaps. So maybe that's where I'd be looking. Yeah, but I'm not fully sold on selling him. <laughs> yeah, just yet. Yeah, just depending on what happens. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, for me, it's. I w- if if Harlan's coming in, I'd sell him just so we can obviously it'll be to put in it'll be put it'll be money going towards the Harlan deal. Um, I don't think Tammy would want to play second fiddle. If we're not getting someone like Harlan, again, I, I'd probably say just keep him. Um, I, I still expect Kai Havertz to be possibly the number one option, but I do think if we switch to a four at the back, there's options of going two up front, which I think Tammy and Harlan could play together. Which could be an option. I think, yeah. Again, if you if you're not if you're getting someone like Lukaku, I'd rather just develop Tammy, see if he can get, see if he can do it, and look possibly if he doesn't, then look for a, a different striker option that pops up. Someone like an Isaac, if he really improves, or anyone else out there that does come on the chopping board at some point. Um, moving on to the final member of the squad, obviously Olivier Giroud. Obviously, looks like he's going to AC Milan anyway, but. Taking that aside, Marv, would you sell Giroud or would you keep him? I'm okay to keep him for another season. I think, um, I mean, he's a big game player. He's done a lot. Of, I mean, I mean, 50, was it, I don't know, 15 million we paid for him? I can't remember how much. And look at what he's achieved. I bet that none of us, including me, uh, expected that he was going to achieve what he has. You know, Champions League, top, he, was, he was like one or two away from being top scorer. Just lost out to Haaland. Um, he was our top scorer in the Champions League, so not like a, a kind of like fake top scorer when you've scored six um, and, and none of your other struggles have put it in, fair enough, but the way the team played, this is, you know, genuine. And he, um, you know, won the FA Cup. He was fantastic. He won the Europa League. I mean, that header in the Europa League against Arsenal, I mean, what a goal that is. The technique to do something like that from how far out he was is, is absolutely incredible. Um, the overhead kick against Atletico, I mean, Who'd have thought that a 15-year-old over 30, a 15-year-old, sorry, 15 million player over 30 would deliver that? For me, I'm happy to keep him for another season. I'm happy to let him go as well. Maybe we choose Tammy over him, um, you know, depending again on who comes in. If no one's coming in, all the options are kind of like players that are not quite at the Chelsea level, like Lukaku, like, um, you know, Moreno or whoever else, people that are finisher only. I'd rather keep Giroud, to be honest, and Tammy. I guess in a sense, I'm, I'm, you know, it's a tough decision because I want Haaland to come. And if Haaland comes, then either Tammy or Giroud or both have to leave because Havertz will be the other striker. So it's, it's a tough one. It depends on the dominoes again. Yeah, Quinn, then would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think I'd possibly be inclined to sell, although just purely on the sense that He's been a brilliant servant for the club and he's done some brilliant things for this club that I don't think any of us would have expected, as Marv pointed out. Um, I think he's the ultimate professional. I've never seen any player not play as much as he has and yet never complain about it uh, and then still perform at the level he performs at when when he does get his chance. He's an unbelievable professional and I think I would be, I think it's kind of reminiscent of, obviously not the same player, but Hazard in the way that the sense that if he was to go, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. Like you've earned, you've earned your move. Because if you want more regular playing time, or if you want your dream club, whatever it is, 
um, that's fine. Um, but it does, yeah, depend to some extent what happens with Haaland um, or any other striker that we were to get in. Because if we don't get anyone in, I'm perfectly okay with keeping him for a season as well. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I, I would be on the side of probably selling, but again, I wouldn't mind keeping him. I think it just depends on who comes in. If if AC Milan give us a fair price for him, um, we do get a bit of money out of him, and it does bring in someone like Haaland. Um, that's fair fair enough. I mean, he's done enough at Chelsea. As Marv said, he's been brilliant. I don't think anyone expected him to do this well, and he's done. He's, he's cemented himself as a cult hero, so... Um, Happy, happy for him to stay. Happy for him to go. I'm not really too fussed. Um, before we finish, we're going to go through just a couple of loanees, um, obviously coming back, and just deciding what we want to do with them because I think there's a couple here that I've got that should create a little bit of debate. Um, starting with the first one, Ethan Ampadu. Um, Marv, would you sell him? Would you keep him? Or would you loan him? I think, unfortunately, because of his uh, season that he had, he's got to go on another loan. But, again, another domino situation because, you know, he's good. I like Ampadu. I'm definitely a fan. Um, could he take that slot of Zuma or is that going to go to Gurhi? It's really tough because we've got two that play that position. Um, I would say another loan and hope he does well and then we can bring him back again the next season. Yeah, Quinton, would you agree? Would you sell him? Would you loan him or you'd keep him? I do agree to some extent on the loan front and sort of, but I think the word, the key word in there that would make me think maybe I would sell would be the hope part, hoping that he will turn out good because I think we all have a quite a high expectation of him that he's never quite lived up to. And I think Ampadu still doesn't truly know where he wants to play um, because he's been used in various different situations. Um, he's been used on the left side of the centre-backs three in for Sheffield United he's been played at CDM every now and then he's played in the center of a back three and I also think as well he's got an unfortunate situation where he's got an awful level of competition from the academy um, when you've got Gurhi coming back who's likely going to get at least a preseason. you've got Mbayamba who's you know a great prospect from Barcelona who's looking like he'll be really promising Levi Colwell is he going to have a brilliant season at Huddersfield and then come back again next next season and get into the squad like there's just so many players who have such a high ceiling. What would make me think I'd be perfectly okay with selling Ampadu, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I would, I would be on the sell wagon as well. I think I've, I've not, I've not seen enough from Ampadu. Um, over, he's had multiple loans now, and he's, he's just it's everywhere he's good. gone. Oh yeah, but he's, he's just never really cut it. Even when he's played for Chelsea in his appearance. I've just not seen enough for him. It does remind me of another Nathan Ake situation. Um, where he just, I just don't know what his position is. Um, obviously, I'd be happy to loan him out if it comes to it. But when you just, when we're looking for money to bring in better players, I think you look at you've got Gouy, you've got Malang Sar, who's not going to go. Obviously, come on a free. Um, you've got Levy Cowill, and he, even we're looking at the. Ukraine, eighteen-year-old centre back to bring it. I think Chelsea are looking to bring in a lot of young centre backs, and I, I yeah. just think, I think can be after there's better ones than Ampadu, and I, I, I would cut my ties with him if we can get a good fee. Well, like Quinlan said, it was a good point there about the ceilings. They've all got quite high ceilings. I think Ampadu as well. If you was comparing him, for example, with Colwell, a Colwell's a way away. Uh, I mean, he's not even played a pro match yet, has he? So, I mean, I mean, I think it's definitely the Gurhi is the competition for Ampadu. 
because obviously I know in the sense a lot of people are going to lean more towards the naturalized academy guys. And Umbayamba, I don't know if I said his name right, looked fantastic before he had that injury. You know, uh, he looked like he could be a serious player. So, I mean, they all have like a potential. Uh, so I wouldn't cut my ties to Vampadu yet. I mean, it's only it's only been one or two seasons, hasn't it? So, I mean, and if you remember the, the loan when he eventually did play at Leipzig, I mean, he was good there. I mean, but that's the thing. These guys, maybe they're not already, and we forget how young they, they are. I mean, they need a loan where they will play all the games. And I think that's why choosing these loans are so important. Because for every, I think the Gilmore loan was a fantastic choice just because the way Daniel Farker sticks to his principles. So if you get a team that sticks to the principles no matter what, we've seen this when they got relegated. They kept trying to play. And they've gone back up trying to play. And Gilmore suits that style. So I think that's going to help him develop. I could be wrong. But in the sense of where Ampadu went, he went to Sheffield United, where they had established team that did so well. When he finally gets in, they're on the downward slide. So there's not much he can really do. And I think this, we've got to be really careful where we pick these loans. Gerhi's loan was good, but it was in the championship. It wasn't in the Premier League. So there, are, there again, there are a lot of factors that we don't know yet. It's the problem. I think I wouldn't cut ties of any of the young guys just yet. Yeah, I get I get your point. I just think, for me, if, if there's one one of the players I would cut my ties with, it would be Ampadu. And if it, again, if it's one of them things where his money goes towards someone like a, one of the big centre-backs, Kunde, or goes towards Haaland, etc., I just think I would I would do it. I would take that. I think you look at you've got you. It's not like we. He's the only centre back with high potential. There are other ones that look like they could do this, uh similar things, if not better. So I think I would just at that this point, if we can get a good fee, cut my ties with him. Um, but it's one of them things. I, I I can understand why you'd want to keep him and loan him. Um, moving on to the other centre back, which we kind of mentioned, Mark Gway obviously had great loan at Swansea um, a lot of pe- people are backing him to be in the team this season some people are saying he should go on the Premier League loan Marv which one would you choose really tough choice because he was good for Swansea I mean, and he does seem to suit what we're trying to do he's strong so he's pre-made for playing in the Premier I would go with none of the three options and say let's see the pre-season first because I think I, I do trust Tuchel's choices here um, could he be a replacement for Zuma? It's possible. I mean, the safe option is loan him to, uh, you know, mid-level. Who, who got promoted? Maybe a Brentford, because that's quite similar to Swansea. They play quite well. Um, but again, it's a risk. There is a potential of taking him into the squad and trying him this year, but will that slow down his development? Or will it increase it? Is it that this is, these are decisions I'm glad I don't have to take. Definitely, definitely. Um Quinlan, would, would you agree? Would you loan him? Would you keep him? Would you sell him? Um, it does depend to some extent on his preseason. I would be inclined to keep him just purely from what I've heard from other people who talk about Gehi and know him as a player, particularly Joe Tweedy, um, who you might know, of course, because he's quite popular on Twitter and he's made, made a few po- appearances on various different podcasts and has his own King's Road newsletter that he talks about a lot. And I really trust his opinion on players and he thinks that yeah, he is certainly good enough for the Premier League. And who is that? Even... Sorry, sorry, um, I missed that. The, the, uh, Joe, Joe Tweedy's talked about him oh, before. I do love Joe, but he doesn't always get it right. Yeah, of course he doesn't always get it right. I agree, and he's not 
a multi-million pound coach <laughs> you know who's made to decide to, uh, on decisions but yeah he's brilliant yeah. I think he's an incredibly yeah. intelligent voice um and I think the thing is with Gerhi the reason I would keep him perhaps is just he's oh, cut out a little bit there in both Swansea because they, they switched up oh sorry um he's played a lot in a back three and a back four um because he's because he did that a lot with Swansea they changed it up quite a lot um and also I just think about Gerhi is a very similar player to Thiago Silva because he's not the tallest I think he's like six foot six six foot one maybe um but he's incredibly strong and he's incredibly aware um when it comes to positional play and I just think a year of Gerhi learning from Thiago Silva whether it's just being around him in first team training as provided he gets the minutes in the development squad that could be unbelievably good for his career rather than a loan to another club yeah that's a very good point yeah, for me, I, I think he's a really good player. I, I would, I'd be happy to trust him if if Azuma goes, but I, I would, I would like to see him in the Premier League before I jump on it. I just look at the Tomori thing. Obviously, he did well. He like uh, he did well in the Championship, coming to the Premier League, did okay, but just never really got the chance. And then it kind of hindered him. and He did eventually go. I just like I, I'd like I'd like to see uh, he take a punt in the Premier League and then come in because um, I think. Yeah. Silver going, Gerhi coming in is just kind of the right time just to slide in. And then if, if we do want to sell a defender and that summer and then go for someone else, then that's when Gerhi can have... A, I think he just have a be- he could have a better chance of cementing a spot down if he does really well on loan. Um, so that, 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 that's why I think. I think he's a much better passer than Fikayo was. And I think that kind of will really yeah. help him. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. I liked him. I was a big, I was a fan of him. I thought, the, like, his pace was so fun to watch when he would make his recovery challenges. He did make a lot of mistakes. This what, people got a lot of revisionism when, when one team, when the team's playing bad and someone's not playing is out the team, they're automatically great. And there was, I mean, he made a lot of errors. You, you come back to the Ajax game, the four-four. I mean, at one point he slid completely, missed a ball, and just punched the floor and stayed down. I mean, I like Tamori, but I think that we got a we got a good price for him, and a lot of people don't seem to recognise it. Uh, we had better players. That's just the the reality of of what it is. But I think someone like Gerhi has a higher ceiling, in my opinion. From the games that I watched, his passing between the lines were very good. He's calm oh. on the ball. He's good in the air. He's got a bit of it all, I think. I'm sure Diego agrees just there. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've got him now on my own because my girlfriend's going to take a mum to work. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised when you said last time we mentioned Jorginho, he had a he had a big thing to say. So I'm surprised he didn't jump in there. Yeah, well, he's only been here for the last five minutes. He hasn't seen Gerhi play yet. Yeah, I mean he's 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 got he's got a lot of high standards. He's seen Champions League winners in his yeah. first year of being born. So, and he's going to see the Euros as well. It's crazy. Oh, lot lot of lucky boy he is. Um, <laughs> we'll move on to the final centre back in question. Obviously, Milan Sar. We signed him a year ago on the free, um, went out to Porto, initially did okay, but towards the end of the season, he wasn't playing in the Porto squad at all, was end up playing for Porto B. Marv, what, what would you do with Milan Sar at the moment? Would you look to keep him at all or would you just loan him out again? Just send him straight back on another loan. Um, I didn't. I can't say I watched him that much, to be honest, but... <clears throat> I think he might be a bit small to be a centre-back in the Premier League. Uh, I, I know a lot of French journalists really, really liked him. And 
I, I, we can't lose in a steal. We signed him for free, so we're going to get money regardless. But I would say, I mean, I need to see more of him play, to be honest, before I could say. But probably a loan will probably be the best one for him, I guess. Yeah, and Quinton, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I'd be even be okay with selling him just purely on the fact that we just we ha- as we've mentioned, we have an awful lot of centre backs who are coming through the academy, and we have other options. And we signed him on a free, so we're not losing anything uh, in that sense by selling him. So the the truth is, is though, yeah, as fr- quite frankly, I just don't know enough about him as a player. Saw him play very briefly against us in the Champions League, and he looked okay. But he didn't look amazing. Um, so yeah, it's either a loan or even even a sale if someone wants him. Like fine by me, they can have him. Yeah, I agree. I think a loan would probably be my preferred option, just because obviously he's only had one season, needs the time to show himself again. Um, I, I I do recall listening to something because he has a high wage because obviously he was a free transfer. I think that's why he went to someone like Porto and not someone in that lower standard. So. I do wonder whether his next loan will be a good loan again or whether it will be someone that is maybe just too much too good for him right now. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, the next player, I'm, I'm going I'm to be a stay a bit quiet on this one because I have a quite bad bias for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. So I'm, I'm going to let you guys have, have the floor with this and decide. Uh, obviously, Tuchel rates him a lot. Didn't have the best of scenes at Fulham, but had a year where he didn't get any injuries at all, which considering he was out for 13 months, is, for me, a plus point in itself. Um, Marv, would you keep Ruben Loftus-Cheek? Would you loan him out again, or would you sell him? Um, I'm probably going to lean towards the keeping. I think that uh, he offers something that a lot of uh, midfielders don't actually do. I know it might be we've got to kind of find a space for him, but I definitely wouldn't sell him. I I still think he's a great player. Whenever he plays, he creates well. He can beat his man well. He drives the ball forward well. He can score occasionally. He can assist. Uh, I would keep him for sure. A potential of a loan, but I, I would. I think this one would be a bit of a kind of maybe keep him up till January, see if it's working out, and then loan him for the second half of the season if it doesn't. But um, I think he definitely has potential. We can play in the front positions if we really need that. If we don't like, if the, the wing options aren't working out, but I would much rather keep him than keep Hudson Adore to be honest. Yeah, um, Quinlan, would would you agree with that, or would you look to more sell him? I would have to admit, unfortunately, I'm more of the, on the selling front. Um, the reason I say that is because I love Ruben and I want him to do well in his career, and I'm not sure coming back to Chelsea is what's going to do well for him in terms of his long term career because I just don't see where he plays in in our squad because. In a double six, I'm not really sure that's his thing. In a pivot, um, I don't see what he really offers there. I mean, he's great ball progression and he's he's strong, but his defensive responsibilities aren't really up to scratch in that area. Um, playing in, in the 10 roles, I mean, we've got all kinds of players up in the 10 roles at the moment. Um, so maybe it depends on what happens with the formation change. If there's room for him, maybe if it went to a 4-3-3 or something like that, I don't know. But I just, uh, his season at Fulham was so underwhelming and... I know that was partly because he was in a bad Fulham team, but I just don't know if he's at the level that we need as a team. And I also think that he should he should be looking to play regularly because he's at that kind of crossroads now in his career where he has to he has a decision to make on what he wants to do. If he wants to be a bit part player for a better club um, and maybe just eventually peter out, or if he wants to really try and make a name for himself by playing all the time for a better team. 
So I'm wondering if that might be the right move for him to move on, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, am, I am going to put my two cents into it because I'll try and stay, stay as unbiased as possible. Um, personally, I think if the Lazio loan does materialise and he does end up going possibly back to Sari, I think that could do in the world of good. Obviously, Sari got the best out of him in the Chelsea shirt um, and he was phenomenal. And if he can do that again, I'd I'd love I'd I'd just love that so he could again like similar to Gerhi he could have a good loan out and have more of a cement cement his place a little bit more I feel like if he does stay Tuchel I think Tuchel likes him and sees what the quality in him and I think he will fit him in somewhere again okay I, I, I still think back four depending on what how how Tuchel puts his midfield I think he can fit in there um, and. Yeah, it just depends on what Tuchel wants to do with him. But I, I still, I, I think a loan would be my option, uh, just because I have that little faith. If if he doesn't do well on this loan, then next season sell him. Or if he does do well, then you've got a player on your hands. I think one, I think it'd be last chance to loan for for Loftus Cheek in terms of the loan. But we'll, we'll have to see. Um, we'll we'll see tomorrow. We'll go back to training, and I reckon in the next week or two we'll hear a lot of developments on it. Um, Moving to another midfielder that's had a good season, uh, unlike Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Conor Gallagher. Um, obviously, was at West Brom did a well, and then Sam Allardyce came in and does his usual dead football, which kind of ruined Gallagher a little bit. But do you think he should be in the in the Chelsea squad, or do you think he should go out on loan? I'll start with you, Marv. Um, really, again, tough one. I think he played quite well, but um, again. We've got so, I think we've had so many midfielders. Um, it's really tough to keep up with the amount of what we're going to do with the midfield. So we've got Jorginho, Kante and Kovacic, right? So, oh, and then, then if we're going to look for a specific DM ball winner type, then in this, I'm not sure quite where Conor Gallagher's going to fit in in this. Uh, I mean, for, uh, probably another loan, but I don't know. At this point, we, we have to think about selling a few of these midfielders I'm not sure about Gary maybe he's young again can't give up on him yet so it's got to be another loan I guess yeah I mean I, I it's, it's hard um, to discuss um, Quinlan what do you think I'd be inclined to say the same thing um, dependent on how his preseason goes because um, I think he reminds me a lot of Mason Mount because um, we said there's not really many players around the world like Mason Mount but He's very reminiscent in the sense of this relentless counter-press that he's got and his willingness to to really work hard. And he's actually quite good on the ball. I think a lot of people underestimate how quite good Gallagher is on the ball and his, with his ball progression and his ma- maintaining the ball in tight situations. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just I worry if, yeah, his development will be hindered by staying here for another year, which, you know, it's all well and good playing in development games. But now he's already had a season at a senior level in the Premier League I think it would be a step backwards for him to be playing more development football with the under-23s or whatever than, than going out somewhere else. So, for me, it would be a loan as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, there's, there's again, it's like Ruben. I think he has a slight chance. But I think another loan and a loan to a better club, I think there are multiple clubs that would take him um, on loan. And it would be, again, teams that could play a bit better football and should get the best out of him. So, I think... Again, it's one more loan and see how he is from there to see whether he gets into the squad. Because I think you look at Jorginho's 29, Kante is getting into his 30s. 
Kovacic, 28. But again, I, I, I don't expect him to stay too much longer. So I think there is opportunities in the future for certain midfielders to get in. But it just depends on what position is available and how well they can do that on loan. Um, we'll have to wait and see for the next season. The next player I'm going to talk about, it's a bit of a outs, outside shout. Um, hasn't really mentioned a lot, but um, Kennedy obviously has had a very good loan out in La Liga, uh, did quite well, and has always been someone that's not really played at Chelsea, not been treated the best. Um, should, obviously, a Ziyech leave or Kalamazo the way goes out on loan, would you keep Kennedy as a squad rotation winger in the cup games and would you give him one more chance at Chelsea or would you look to sell him on? Marv, I'll start with you. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. <clears throat> I really like the player. I don't think he got a fair shake. And normally I'm not somebody that subscribes to that saying that players don't get a chance. So I think a lot, most of them did. Uh, in this case, I think when he played, he was pretty good. He's got a nice skill. He can play wing back. He's quite fast. He's a good tackler. He's got a lot of uh, off the ball work rate. Um, it's a player I think he didn't really get given a fair shake. And I think it's because of that, that fuck China thing. Um, but for me, I mean, I'm always willing to give that guy a chance. I think he, he could have made it as a player. And <clears throat> it's, it's a shame what happened. He got sent off on us. But even then, he was good. He was good for it. Was it Granada he played for, wasn't it? it yeah, I think it was Granada this season that he played for. Uh, yeah, and it's, I, I think he's still a good player. I think he could be useful. If they're thinking about letting go of, like, uh, you know, if they're going to keep playing with the wingback system, I think, you know, if they did let go of both Emerson and Alonso. He might be a potential option. For me, it's a good player. Um, I would be willing to keep him. Yeah, Quinn, what, what do you think on this situation? Would you look to keep him or would you look to cut your losses of him and get some money out of him? I'd be okay with moving on, uh, to be perfectly frank, just because when I see it, the depth that we have in attack this season, um, even though, to be fair, Kennedy can play as a wing-back, which might be useful, um, I, I'm just not sure where I see him playing. I see him maybe getting a few Carabao Cup games, maybe a couple of FA Cup games. We do have a very congested season. Um, like I said, the 60 fixture season. So that does factor into play to some extent. But again, he's another player who's quite young and has still got a lot of um, potential in terms of value from a sale. And there are just players who are just... I think the players we have in our squad are just that much... level That, that level above him. And if we're going for the league title and things like that, I'm not sure Kennedy is someone that I want in my squad because I think he's. I think I agree that he's definitely maybe better than people would like to think when they look at him from their brief his brief appearances with Chelsea. But I wouldn't be upset if he was to move on and we could get a bit of money for him now. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do agree with that. I think you, you I think you could get quite a decent price out of him to be honest, um, out of a certain club. So. It'll be one of them ones that, if, again, we want to get Haaland, we're going to have to raise some sort of money to balance the books a little bit. So I think that could be a good outside show to get some money. But at the same time, if you do, if we do, if I save my idea of selling Alonso and Emerson, I'd, hap- I'd happily have Kennedy as a left wing back option um, for Chilwell. And that could be a good shout for him. Um, again, it'd be a kind of final chance this season see if we can give him at least a chance um because I, I do think i do agree with marv i think he did has been a bit undeserved obviously with the china thing that is a bit of his own making so you could argue that um but it's one of them things um so let's let, let, wherever he goes i think he'll have an okay career um because i think it's started to come up on the up for him finally 
Um, the final player we're going to speak about before we finish is up. Um, Armando Broja obviously had his first full season of football with Vitesse. Um, 10 goals from 30 games, mixture of coming on and off the bench. Um, generally had a good season for a 17-year-old. Um, there's been rumblings of Broja is one of the players that if Giroud goes, if Tammy goes and we get a Haaland, he could be coming in as a third-choice option. Um, would you guys look to keep him or would you look to loan him out again? I'll start with you, Marv. Uh, tough one. I, mean, I, I would like to see a bit more of him. I think he's quite quick. <clears throat> he definitely has the skills necessary to to make it as a striker in a, in, in a Premier League team. So, um, but again, at 17, 18, I mean, what what are we thinking here? Do we keep him out on loans, playing games a lot, so he amasses a lot of experience, or does he stay trained with a squad? Is another tough decision. I think it depends on what happens with Tammy and Giroud again. Really, I mean, because if someone is sitting in there, you know, as a backup to Haaland and, and uh, uh, Habits, then yeah, maybe. Um, it's, it's a potential. Depends. I mean, only we could only really know that if we see him training with the, the you know, the big players, um, to really kind of get more kind of data to really know what to say there. But I'll, I'll be willing to give him a chance. I'll say probably loan is probably better for his career, though, quite potentially. Yeah, um, Quinlan, what do, what do you think on Brozier? Would you keep him? Would you loan him? Uh, I'd be going for a loan again, um, purely again based on the point I made about Gallagher, in the sense that. They've had a season in senior football now. Um, although, I, of course, the Eredivisie isn't maybe quite the level of the Premier League uh, in terms of senior football, um, I still think it's it would be a step down for him to go back to development football on a regular basis. Because where if someone like Gerhi, we talked about where he can learn from someone like Thiago Silva, um, maybe Broja could learn from Giroud if he stays. But I don't really know if that's going to be really the right move for him. I think he'd be really useful to get another loan to see both his adaptability and his maturity and how high his ceiling can go because he's shown promise. And I think there are a lot of admirers of Broja because um, he, you know, he said he's very quick. He's actually got a really, he's really calm and composed um, when it comes to his finishing as well, which is great to see from someone that young. Um, and I'd like to see him do it at a more a higher level club um, rather than somewhere like in a, yeah, maybe rather than somewhere in um in, in the Netherlands, maybe perhaps towards an Italian loan, maybe a German loan, um, to, or maybe even a high-level a high level club in the championship. Because, <laughs> I mean, as much as I, I'm, I'm probably dissing the Eredivisie there to some extent, I still think playing in English football is a big step up from playing somewhere like that. So may, maybe even, yeah, a high-level loan to someone like a Swansea or someone who's pushing for promotion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Eredivisie is definitely a league of bums. Um, I mean, <clears throat> they... I mean, for every one Suarez, there's 10 Depays. I mean, it, it, that is true. I mean, it's an incredibly low-level league. I don't know if any of you guys watched it. I remember watching one game last season. When um, we did get linked with Ziyech, it was way before that. Like, he was injured, but it was like, I can't remember who they played. It was like Roda, something like that. And I just remember watching the game and thinking, wow, you, you see that same quality on Sundays down the park. Like with some players, not all. There are obviously quality players there, but there are a lot of a lot of pretenders. Definitely. I mean, I obviously with I do watch a lot of, for example, Belgium football, and um, everyone goes, "Oh, the Eredivisie is top five in within the top five leagues." Honestly, the I think the Bel yeah. the Belgium league has more competition, has better uh, players and better teams than uh, the. Um, Dutch league, I think you got Ajax, and that's it. 
whereas at least in Belgium you've got a couple of good teams and you get a lot a couple you get a lot of good talent that comes out of that league. Um but yeah. I, I mean for me it's one of them things Borussia could do a good third choice option for Chelsea, but again, you want him playing, you want him getting consistent game time. Um so I think I would continue his loan. Um I wouldn't I, I'd take a step step up from Vitesse because I think he's passed the step the Vitesse test. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd say again, yeah, maybe German football or again, a high Champions League team because I think a uh, championship team because the championship is a good, it's, it's the quality is a lot better than people say it is. And it's a good acid test to see whether you're ready to cope with English football. In well, terms it's the of physical physicality side, of it. Isn't it? Yeah. As, as you say, it's learning against English defenders and that, that extra strength that you need because um, a lot of players who've shown really great promise in Europe just then haven't lived up to the promise in England for that exact reason of just how uniquely physical the league is here. Um, and you'd be surprised how much you can learn about the physical side of the game from the championship. Yeah, exactly. So I think it'd be best for him to continue his loan um, elsewhere. And then maybe in, again, two, three years, Haaland will be obviously there and he'll be probably first choice, hopefully. Um, but... Brozier can come in and be a solid backup. And if, say, Haaland does move, because I, I do expect Haaland to move if he stays at us after about three or four years, because that's just the Riola effect. Um, but if not, I, I I think he could possibly, if he's playing well, jump into the squad and possibly become that first choice, should he play really well. So I think it's, for him, I'd, I'd think, I'd, I'd, if I was his agent, I'd tell him to think best for his career and go out on another loan. Because I think there is the talent there and he just needs to get the consistent game time. Um, but he's a good player, so I'd be happy to have him still in the team if he does choose to come. Um, and that does wrap up uh, another wonderful pod. Just looking at the timing, just over two hours. It was a lot longer than I expected. Um, I, I have the trouble of underestimating how long a pod will take. Because I remember last time in Quinlan, it was a quite a long pod we did. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, just be- before I finish, uh, f- thank you, Quinlan, for coming on again. No, thank you, man. Uh, this was great fun. I always enjoy talking talking football, um, especially this great club. So th- this was a good laugh. We had some good debates. And um, yeah, it's nice to talk to some like-minded people. Appreciate it. And just before you, just before we uh, say, say goodbye to Marv as well, uh, if you could just plug where people can find you on Twitter. Sure, yeah, people can find me at my name. It's just at Quinlan Barker. Um, I post. Uh, I've not been posting an awful lot actually lately, um, just because my personal life is incredibly busy at the moment. So I've just not really had time to get to it. But when I am, I'm usually doing the odd match preview. I'm doing photo edits and I'm just offering my opinions as I offer here, just in a 280 characters instead of two hours. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's all good fun, man. Yeah, fa- I mean, again, thank you for coming on. I'm sure in hopefully not. We'll hopefully you'll be on sooner than we have uh, you have last time. Obviously, we'll try and get you on with a couple other guests. Um, and Marv, again, co-host, thank you thank for you. coming on again as usual. Thank you as always. What a wonderful time! Yeah, it's a great discussing, a really fun episode. Lots of interesting chats and stuff. Yeah, let's get it done. Let's do it more. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed that one this week. And finally, thank you to all the viewers for staying in for this whole two hours. Um, if you have, well done. Don't forget to drop down on Twitter comments what you think of each player. Would you sell? Would you keep? Or would you loan? 
Um, obviously, next few weeks, I'm now fully done with uni, apart from my yeah, dissertation. Yeah. So I can just, we can get some good pods out. We'll have Marv back on with Ali, Arrow, all the usuals. And we'll get some special guests on, just like Quinlan, um, just to talk about all things Chelsea. 